Hey guys, before we get started, this episode of Beer and Other Shit, the podcast is brought to you by High Season Co., a social media agency with over a decade of marketing experience who are crafting the way brands are perceived online. These guys aren't just marketers, they're liquid enthusiasts, craft beer nerds, hip-hop heads, and Gary Vee disciples. So is your social media looking tired? Are you having trouble getting to your customers? High Season can make it happen. Check them out, highseasonco.com. That's highseasonco.com. Now let's drink some beers. Are you a brewhead? I'm a brewhead. Are you a Brewhead, I'm a brewhead. Y'all are brewheads, yeah we brewheads. So pour a glass of craft beer, we can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C-Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 137 of Beer and Other Shit, the podcast. This afternoon, we are in glorious Kanata, Ontario, just outside of Ottawa, with Sean McVeigh of Small Parallel, Small Pony Barrel Works. What's this made? Small, <laughs> Small Parallel? That could be a new thing. Small Apparel. Small Apparel. Well, Pony Works. There you go. Much better name. Changed it, mate. <laughs> Thank you for having us. Pleasure to be here. Ruined, it, ruined the name up front, but it's okay. It's cool. It's cool. It's more fun that way, right? It's complicated. Never had to I, say that my dad, my dad gets it wrong. Does he? Uh, what do I you think say? so. Uh, small barrel pony works sometimes. <laughs> so that happens. That, I think that's probably what I went to say. Maybe I should have practiced with first. <laughs> um, first time out here. This place is sick, dude. Um, I've had a bunch of your beers, and they are exceptional. So it's nice to get to uh, drink them with your fine self. In front of the barrels, yeah. where, they're, where they're cooking away, they are. They're uh, they're resting right now. Just chilling, resting, chilling. How many barrels you got? Uh, there's 160 in nice. here. 160 uh, wine barrels. Okay. Yeah. Oh, are they all sort of are they all different? So they're all um, they're all red wine barrels uh, originally. So used in uh, vineyards in the Napa Valley in California. Nice. So they all took a cross country road trip to come up and very cool and rest here from now on because nice. um, we'll use them indefinitely. Right, just yeah. keep keep cruising, keep them going. Um, wineries use these barrels for about four years before they, uh, um, the oak flavors get stripped out by the wines that they're making. So you right. get like a nice red wine. Uh, usually, you've got like a nice oaky tannin forward red wine from California or Bordeaux or wherever. That's usually like pretty fresh oak when you're tasting that, and then right. like the second year, third year, it just diminishes a bit until about after four years, the wineries will. Um, they'll discard those barrels and they'll bring in fresh new barrels so they can continue blending and getting those nice oaky right. flavors they like in their in their wines. But it's perfect for me because I don't want a bunch of um, like strong oaky tannins in my beers. I just want to use them as fermenters and as uh, containers that breathe nice and slowly over time to let right. flavors develop. Yeah, That's cool. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah, so I we'll mean, use them indefinitely here too until they fall apart good. or... That's good. Like start making no, no waste. Start making vinegar. Yeah, if 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 we have a barrel that makes because that's happened. If we have yeah. something that starts putting out vinegar, then we'll keep an eye on it. Yeah. And if it happens again, it's over. It's, it becomes uh, becomes a table furniture, which is that. Uh, so it's consistently uh, reused. It's very uh, environmentally friendly out here. Sustainable mm-hmm. is the word I'm looking mm-hmm. for. I love it. What are we drinking right now? Um, so this beer is our uh, raspberry golden sour beer called Jam Hands. Um, we first made this last year in 2018. It's a beer that we do, most of our beers we only do once. Right. Or like if we really like them or people really like them, we'll do them again. But we're constantly doing new things. This is one beer that we've done several times now because it was so popular. So I can see why. It comes out about twice a year now, right around Valentine's Day and then sometime in the summer as well. So this is... This is like, this is the leftovers. Yeah, this is the, the, we have a keg on right now. The bottles are all gone now, but but we still have a keg on tap, so... Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, this one I've had this one before as well. This is great. It's uh, I was I was actually thinking just before, is there much of a difference with your beer in the bottle versus draft at all? Like do you find? 
because um, of the barrel aging stuff? You know, I haven't done a lot of side-by-side comparison, but uh, the only difference, because, I mean, they, they come out of the same barrels. We put them into our tank here, blend them, and then we take kegs off first, and then uh, all of our beers are bottle conditioned. Okay. Um, so we do keg some, we've done some keg conditioned okay. beers, but we've sort of pulled back from doing that. So like bottle conditioning is where you add a bit of sugar to the beer before it goes in the bottle, and then stuff. the yeast that's in there will uh, eat up the sugar and create the carbonation. So that's right. how the beers carbonate, and it takes like four to eight weeks for a beer to carbonate. That's why you see so many oh, empty, like unlabeled bottles here just sitting around. They're just right. waiting. They're, they're carbonating up. But um, yeah, we, tr- we tried doing a few kegs that way a little while back, and um, uh, found that it just limited us to, like, because not every bar will handle those correctly, because there'll be, like, some sediment in the bottom of the kegs. Right. And if you don't send those kegs to the right bar, they may shake it up, and it may just pour all cloudy and not be what we want. So right. we've, we've pulled back and started more enforced carb- carbonating most of our kegs. But then as soon as we package the kegs, we then just add the bit of sugar that we need and then bottle the beers off the same batch. So they're, right. they're basically be, the same. Should but be too, too different. No, I haven't noticed a huge difference. Okay. Yeah. I was I can't think off the top of my head from when I had it. It wasn't that long yeah. ago, I guess, if there is much of a difference. But mm. uh, it drinks nice. I just feel like this type of beer isn't something you would drink on draft very often, which is probably where my thought came from. Is that accurate or am I maybe boosting the reach of that? I don't know. Like, uh, there's a lot of places that, that like to have these kind of beers on tap, but it's right. like, I the, the, we're mostly, like we mostly do bottles right. uh, here, but we're really trying to do more draft in the future so we can have, you know, a presence at more restaurants and cool yeah. places in Toronto and, and around. Very cool. Um, because it's hard to take a, an expensive bottle and with the restaurant markup, it's oh, hard yeah, to yeah. it's hard to put that on a menu for forty dollars or thirty or forty dollars because it's definitely yeah. sharing size bottles, right? These, the the seven fifty guys here, yeah. yeah. Um, which is sick. Okay, cool. That makes sense. So let's get into your beer story, dude. Like, mm. how did you get into beer, and then how did that lead to this glorious establishment? Yeah. So um, I uh, I guess I I started homebrewing, and that's where it all came out of. So I was homebrewing about. Uh, I, I guess started back into it about six years ago. I'd done a little stint of it in university, and then that was really, really basic homebrewing. Like, just go to the store, buy a can, right, make this, like, like extract. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this was a while ago. And, you know, this we were more homebrewing because we thought that was a cheaper way to make beer back then. And, you know, right. So we did it once or twice and said, well, it's not, it's not, that. It's not super awesome. No. It was good enough when I was, you know, 20 or whatever. Budget-friendly. Budget right, right. But um, then I, you know, I, I got out of it for years, and then... Um, I had actually, it was a, a friend of mine in Sweden. There's a connection there. That it's his sister that makes all our label art. She's the Talking designer in Sweden. Right, right. But a friend Same. of mine in Sweden, uh, when I was over there visiting, had introduced me to a ginger beer he had made. Okay. Like just straight up ginger, brown sugar, lime. Like it was like a nice homemade ginger beer. And I said, right, oh, right. that's awesome. I got to get back into doing that kind of stuff. And so he told me his recipe. I went home and I made some and I got all my old equipment out and said, oh, I, I got to get back into brewing beer because right. I have all the stuff to do it. So I started uh, started home brewing, joined the, uh, there's a group in Ottawa called The Mob, the members of Barleyment. Just heard about that. Which yeah. uh, I know Justin and Mark Justin uh, are involved yeah. in yeah. over at Stray Dog as yeah. well. So it's like a community of like 700 home brewers or something in Ottawa cool. in the area. So like super friendly, helpful community. Everybody shares, everybody, you know, we get together, have a party in the summer, everybody shares hops you need yeast they've got it um, right so uh, got in with those those guys uh, started brewing again at home so the first year I was brewing at home I made like 26 different beers okay like different like styles of beers stuff. yeah exactly non-sour every beers but weeks. just like try I was like I'm gonna go through this like home brewing book and try every single one I could right and see what beers I like okay and then um, 
got around to doing like these sour beers and they took a bit longer and were a little more challenging. And I made my first like Berliner Weiss nice. uh, beer, like a nice like wheat, you know, sour wheat beer. Um, and a friend of mine um, had a little bit of competition at his house where everybody said, oh, everybody's going to make a Berliner Weiss. We're going to come out. We're going to taste them and see how they are. Okay. And I tried mine. I said, oh, this is really good. I like it. And then I got there. And I participated in the judging, too. And it was the one that I picked as last, like the worst one. Right. Everybody else had made better ones. Right. And I was like, okay, well, how's everybody doing it different than me? What's, what's different? Like, I had done a kettle soured Berliner Weiss this way. And then I learned that other people were making, you know, using wild yeasts and all this other kind of stuff and, like, aging them more longer term. Not necessarily in barrels, but, like, um, more just like a longer term sour beer right, program right. where you, like, put the yeast and the bacteria, everything together, you let it all live together in the beer for a couple of months, and then you get way more depth of character and like interesting notes in it. And I found all those beers to be much more interesting than, than the one I had made, which was kind of right. one-dimensional. Um, so that's when I said, well, sh- geez, I'm gonna, can I say shit on the beer and other yes, you can. shit podcast? You can say any word you like. Yeah, so I said, oh shit, I'm gonna try doing all this other stuff. Right. And uh, I started following some of their, their ideas and like, um, so these sour beers can take a long time to make. Right. Like some of them can take like a year or like six months or whatever they were. So I started experimenting with those while I was still making some other beers. Um, but of course, the the time to like the turnaround time is so long that you don't don't get the feedback to to change yeah, what you've done like until true. later. So I make it was probably about three years into homebrewing before I finally like said these are definitely my favorite thing to make now. Right. And then I got a barrel for home. It's not this one, but uh, one of them in here is my barrel from my basement. That's sick. Um, which was the first one I ever had, and I like spent all of the Christmas break brewing and filling it because it's like sixty gallons, and most film beers you're doing like. Five. Uh, I think ten. I did fifteen gallons at a time, oh, so I brewed four days to fill it. I had a pretty right. big setup at home by then. I started smaller and then gradually got bigger, um, and then I had to wait like nine months before I could taste it and decide whether it was, <laughs> it was any good, good right? So it was cool. So what I did actually was at that point, I took like half that barrel out and put it in a bunch of like containers with different fruits to try. Nice. And then I brewed again and topped that barrel up and then left it for another nine months or whatever. But like all those original fruit beers I made. um, Was that like the one we tried earlier? Yeah, exactly. That was that that two and a half or three year old uh, beer that we just tasted. I just, yeah, I had some bottles in my basement at home that we had bought an apricot beer at the store. And so I said, oh, I've got one at home that I made. We should taste them together. But, um, but yeah, the, it was, yeah, it was good. But um, uh, yeah, so like that's, that's kind of how I got into it. And then at that point, I was sitting there looking at this big barrel of beer in my basement going like, this is too much beer to drink. Like, what I need more friends. <laughs> uh, can I sell it to people? And it's, there's totally no legal way to like sell your homebrew to people. Course, yeah. And, you know, like even people, you know, could they chip in and we'll all brew it together or whatever. So like I ended up starting to look into what I would need to do to actually be able to produce volumes of beer. Right. right? Was um, this after you realized that you could do it well? <coughs> uh, yeah. Well, it was around this. It kind of oh, all yeah. happened together. Right. 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 It was it was a process of thinking about it while I was doing while it. While you're doing it, and yeah, then you yeah. tried it like, like you tried it at the end. You're like, all right, good. Yeah, I, th- if, I thought it came out okay. And okay. I was that far like, along I can in, make this work. in planning. Yeah, yeah. But I was also talking to a friend who was opening a brewery locally and maybe partnering up with him. But then I figured I can't necessarily do my own thing if I'm doing what he's doing. And right. then I started looking into what's actually required to do it. I said, how many barrels can I fit in my basement? Because I have a friend who has a home brewer, like a commercially licensed brewery. Um, in his garage. It's Evergreen right. Craft Ales in Ottawa. He's actually now, finally, a couple of years later, moving into a bigger facility, but he had, right. for years, been running a 
basically a homebrew, like a slightly, like a big homebrew system in his garage, right. but totally licensed, totally retailing Able everything. To. Like, like wow. so, there were a couple good models of like, here's a small brewery friends of mine are starting, here's a brewery that runs out of this guy's garage, and I was trying to think, can I do this at home? But I live like not near like people. Right. I, I live <laughs> a bit more in the country, so I was like, no one's ever going to come out here. I'm going to have to put another septic system in. Right. I could maybe fit 50 barrels here, but then I'm in my house, right? Yeah. So, I, anyways, I started looking around and ended up landing here. So that's Right. And when was that? When, um, when? I got the keys here just over two years ago. So we, right. uh, 2017, um, right around Christmas-ish. Um, and then just started building the brewery, like started going and um, got the barrels up from California in like March, I think, and started brewing by May. And we didn't open until December, so it was like a good seven months. Because obviously we can't, like, not like another brewery, you can't just, like, get all your equipment here and then start selling beer in three weeks. Right, no. It was like a long wait. Process. So, so you only opened, like, less than six months ago. Uh, no, a year and a bit. A year it's and a bit. It's been a year and a bit. Oh, you So Christmas 2017 okay, was sorry. when we opened. Gotcha, End of 2017. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's sick. So it's been uh, relatively, like, far, like, that's a pretty quick journey, I guess, from... Yeah, the conception to making it all happen mm. and everything. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's probably been like three years since the idea that's started. Sick. So right. that's that's good. Yeah. Okay, sick. <laughs> um, and then, as far as like the the, you decided to make the sour beers, and that being like your, the the exact stuff you only wanted to make. Mm. That's pretty cool because you're sort of essentially now a brewery and blendery. Yeah. Really, that's what you're sort of about. Like you're not doing anything else. Like that has been. That was always, I guess, the intention, and I guess it's probably a, filling quite a need. There's nothing else I can think of mm-hmm. locally. Um, in Canada, I don't even think there is. Um, anything, right? Like, so when I was in planning, I actually went and flew out to Portland, Oregon, and met with a couple of brewers there, and then did a nice road trip all the way down the coast to San nice. Diego, and like met with all these brewery owners out there at like um, you know like Degard or the Rare Barrel or. Um, you know various places and like had really good conversations this is the one thing I really like about the brewing industry is everybody is super friendly yes and super helpful and everybody just wants to see somebody else you know get their thing going and I think it's like a what goes around comes around kind of thing too like yeah. anybody who comes in and talks to me I'll like tell them whatever they want to know I give them yeast right whatever Maybe whatever they want right right yeah. <coughs> it's kind of rare but uh, yeah so I had looked to the states where this was happening already because I was I said, well, I really like these sour beers. And actually, the spark of opening a brewery started when we were sitting around drinking Rodenbach okay. at Christmas one year. Because that beer would only come out at Christmas for like a week, and it was gone. You couldn't find it anywhere anymore. Right. anymore. And uh, so if you knew what LCBO was going to, you could get like six bottles. But then it was gone. And somebody said, like, why is nobody doing this here if people want it and right. they can't get it, right? So that's when I started thinking, and that's when I started, you know, Having to, right. But then looking down to the states, like sour beer is a is a thing that's been happening there for like a good Some five, time. ten yeah. plus years. Like when you look to Russian River and New Belgium, like they've started uh, ten plus years ago on these yeah. things. Um, and then you got some of the newer brewers like uh, Degard or the Rare Barrel or uh, is Cascade um, newer? Or uh, Cascade's been around for a fair bit. I right. think I'm not sure exactly how long, but they're in the more like the five to ten year range. I think like okay. they're it's been a while, but they're like an all sour beer brewery. So yeah. is the rare barrels, so is like side projects. Yeah, is that, oh maybe maybe I'm like sure. Casey in Colorado. Casey, I think yeah. Yeah, he's old. Oh. So it's it's definitely yeah. a thing that's more mature in the states. And I was just thinking like, 
Is that not? Yeah, there's really nothing here. No, no. So I think I was the first like sour in beer Canada? brewery in Canada. Wow. To open. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. And then I was talking with Matt Waugh at like uh, Deep Dark Wood, and he's like, "What do you mean the first? When did you open?" And I said, "Oh, like this date." And he said, oh, "Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. fine." fine. <laughs> Is it other six? There's a couple. I think there's. I'm not sure whether they're specifically like I know Half Hours on Earth got started. Uh, oh, of course. But a year before me, uh, Halcyon Bryce out at yeah, uh, Halcyon yeah, yeah. there started. But these guys are also making other farmhouse beers and other things. Right, they're not right, just right. Doing, doing that. Just that um, yeah. Which is, I mean, that's a great model because you can make. You know, some beers that you can release while you're waiting for your other beers to be ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, like a lot of breweries are, like if you look at Bellwoods or something, they've got great IPAs, great everything. They do it. They have a great sour program. Like a lot of these breweries have like a good broad range of things, right? right. And that'd be awesome. I would love to be able to subsidize what I'm doing with some other cheaper... Would you? Cheaper beer. No, I'm not. I'm not. I don't plan to. No. I don't. I, I wanted to stay on, on brand. It's kind of cool, just man. do the one thing. Yeah. Because yeah. I've seen it done in the States successfully. And I said, yeah. like, these guys are doing it. And why, they told me. And when I was talking to them, they said, I said, what would you do different? You know, like, if you started again. And, like, Jake Goodwin at the Rare, Bar- Rare Barrel told me. He says, like, uh, don't do it. <laughs> like, I wouldn't do it. You know, like, so this was a lot of feet. Like, you're going to be, you know, your biggest challenge will be education. Like, right. letting people know what you're making. Because it's, like, new here. Nobody knows what sour beers are. Some people come in, they're like, do you have like an IPA? Yeah. Like, no. But thankfully, we're in like a bit of a brewery district here. So you can be like, well, now you get the sour seed, you can just pump in next door. Yeah, go next door. Big rig, Calabogie. Right. These yeah, guys are here. You grab the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. That is kind of cool. I think there's like, there's like, uh, there's ballsy, but it's also, I think it's needed. And it's almost like you're the trailblazer, so it's going to be harder for you. But then yeah. once you do it, like you're going to be the OG of, of, <laughs> of that. And then you own the space and it is what it is. Yeah. That's sick, man. I just wanted to focus on one thing and do it good if I could, yeah. right? It's like the steam whistle model, right? Like yeah. make one thing one well. Thing. One thing well. Of course, I mean, we made like 18 different things the up. first year. Yes, <laughs> which is kind of crazy still. <laughs> well, that's the other thing too, because sometimes people say like, well, you're making sour beers, aren't, isn't that kind of like, aren't you going to run out of ideas or something? And like I said, we made it's something like really, 18 right? different beers in the first year and they were different. All of them were different. And yeah. we're continuing to do different ones, right? Was so. the plan, uh, like you were saying with, with Jam Hands, I, I have in my mind, unless I'm thinking of something else, but I've got a feeling that most of the beers that you made were supposed to be kind of like a one-off, one time, and like if mm. you miss out on that batch, then it's done forever. But I mean, that, that kind of changed, but was that the original <coughs> intention? To- uh, yeah, it was to try and explore as many different like versions or as many different um, flavors as we could right? right and well it's more like a, we don't have like a I, I didn't come into this especially given the amount of time it takes to make the beers I didn't come into this with like a, a list of award-winning homebrew recipes right. that I won at competitions because that would have taken a very very long time to build that profile or that portfolio yeah, of beers yeah, so yeah. we're just kind of doing it as we go we're saying let's Let's try peaches, apricots, raspberries. We'll do some stuff with pears or hops, or like we're doing all kinds of wine grapes and all of different things. Right. And we just want to find out which one, what we like right. in, the, in the end, and what other people like. And so we'll sort of slowly build like a, a set of like core beers that that we like. You so like Jam them. Hands or Half Remember Dream, which is the only beer we make year round. That's because that's the one beer we do for the LCBO. Oh right. Yeah. Nice. So we okay. we um, you know I went down to the LCBO like before we opened. And, and went with like ten beers from my from home out of a barrel at home with right. fruits and stuff. And, and they chose that one. What do you guys like? And they suggested maybe doing that one first for Ontario. And so that was as soon as we opened, it was submitted, and like we were able to go with it. So nice. just got it underway ahead of time as yeah. much as possible. That's really smart. A yeah. lot of I haven't really heard of many folks 
going about it that yeah. way. They would, they usually try to get everything off the ground first and do their thing and bring people in and yeah. then use LCBO as like the branding opportunity mm. after the fact. But I guess because yours is a slower, like you mm. said, you can't just like every two weeks, you beer, new beer, new beer. Like yeah, yeah. Yours does take a bit of a like time. So it's good to, from the jump to yeah. bring people here from that. Yeah. That's yeah. And it's nice. also like, I know a lot of breweries, they don't do the LCBO or the beer store until they have sufficient volumes and stuff. But for us, it's like, it's a niche product already. So yeah. we're not, you know, you're not sending your beer abroad and competing against the same beer somewhere else. Like somebody else is making a cream ale. Yeah. You know, like you don't have to have the best cream ale or whatever. Right. You just, for me, it's like there really aren't any, or there's only a couple at the store. So it's, it's fine for it me to, out, to right? throw it out a bit wider because um, I don't sell it all here, obviously, because it's a niche within a niche yeah, a niche product, right? Niche, like yeah. it's, uh, and it's like um, the high end stuff too. Like yeah, it's not like I guess you know, so. yeah. it's not, not cheap in the, because of the time it takes to make it and the ingredients that are in it and yeah. stuff like that. So it's sort of for a specific yeah. kind of like target market or whatever. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, which one should we go next? Yeah. Um, do you want to stay on raspberry or do you want to try something hoppier or? Um, the hoppy one does sound interesting. I don't think I've had. I've had a lot of all the stuff I've had from you have been pretty much uh, okay. Mostly red fruits. Red beers. Um, where did I put that bottle of right here? So uh, for those who are listening at home and can't see, we have about four hundred bottles behind us. <laughs> um, yeah, we can do this. Uh, this most recent uh, hoppyish one. Yeah. So this is um, cold. There's a cold one here. That's for the that's for ah, the pretty friend. Nice. Uh, Gorgeous. We replace glasses. Beautiful. I don't care so much. So this is the collab with. Um, this is with Whitewater that White we did Water. the spear. Gorgeous. Thank you. So I'm gonna. We're gonna need to get the photo there. Mm-hmm. You yes, the drill. Now and now it begins. Oh, I understand how it works. You've been practicing your. Uh... Oof. Okay. So it's not super hoppy. Um, would you consider like a, is it like a dry hop sour? Would you yeah, it is. Well? It yep. is. Uh, it also has chamomile in it. Nice. So chamomile flowers. Citra. Okay. And citra hops. We thought it was going to be galaxy, but it turned out to be citra that, yes. that the guy dropped off. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like, uh, this was the head the... brewer at Whitewater, Sean. He had asked somebody to drop off galaxy, galaxy hops and they dropped off a different box. So right. that's what we ended up making it with. I feel like it's almost better to be honest. I love where galaxy's from yeah. Australia, but like it's just, it overpowers everything. I feel mm. like. I don't know. Do you agree with that? I don't feel like when you when Galaxy's in a beer, like, oh, this is a Galaxy beer. Like, I've, just, I've, just I've only like used taste. it once, and I've used it with Citra and Mosaic. So I've and used, balanced, like, nice. a sort of three hops all together, like all okay. the citrusy hops. Right, and it worked well. It worked pretty good. Um, so, yeah, so this beer is, like, um, so we made this beer. This was an attempt to actually, this was our first attempt to make, like, a quicker beer. Okay. Even though it was aged in the barrels, it was only in the barrels for about two months. Right. And then the sales guys from Whitewater were like, when can we sell the beer? When can we sell the beer? And we're like, right? Because right. White, so Whitewater wanted to basically release their first like sour beer and then get into doing it this year. Okay. So last year we brewed it in the fall and then around December they came over and we kegged off a whole bunch of it for them. Mm-hmm. And they took it and sent it out to all their uh, licensees and restaurants and stuff. Um, and apparently was well received. And I was just a bit nervous about it. Um, not being quite finished and it maybe exploding in bottles because it still yeah. had a little more work <laughs> like, to do. So we left it for a few more months. Right. So I think ours ended up being maybe like five or six months in the barrels. Right. Um, is it different today? Uh, ours is different. We did dry hop it when we packaged it. So um, I think their version was a bit more hoppy, a bit more hop forward, and ours right. is a little more like balanced. Like I didn't want to lose that chamomile. 
right. uh, behind too much hops. Right, right. Right. We just kept turning the knob up with hops, yeah. and I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's make a nice light one. Cheers. All right. Bro. Cheers, brother. That's crazy. So chamomile. Mm-hmm. It's got like a nice floral like after. Yeah. No. I just love how like it like makes me do the the, the tart face every time. I love that <laughs> shit. Like if you're gonna go sour, like go balls to the wall with it. All right, you know the drill now. Hey, All right, you know what? Sometimes I'm trying to get too cocky and hold the uh, bottle and the glass. You don't want that. Oh, geez, <laughs> I love it. Um, how, did, how did this collab come about? Because I remember seeing this one. I, yeah. I, I guess because like when you associate a, a brewery that does mostly sours to a brewery like Whitewater, I guess to whatever one would consider a standard mm-hmm. you know, brewery, you know, everything across the board. How did that one come about and how did it sort of... Uh, Again, that's like that whole local Ottawa homebrewers connection thing. Like I knew Sean, who's their head brewer. Okay. I've known him for a few years. And like when I was, you know, looking to get into brewing, I just went out and brewed with them one day out there. Like, anyways, right. we're, so we're, we're, we're anyway. like, yeah, we know each other from around, you know? Okay. Uh, and uh, yeah, I just said like, let's, let's do it. Let's do you want to make a beer then. together? Sure. Let's yeah. do it. Why not? Right? Okay. So that's so it's pretty straightforward. It's basically just send an email to a guy you know. Okay. And say, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> okay. I wasn't sure. I guess that maybe uh, it shouldn't be any different for you to, to, to collab with a brewery that does something different because I guess that's the fun. Right? No, no. It's the same thing. Like, yeah. Okay. Well, especially when it's like, uh, it's kind of fun when it's a brewery that doesn't really do this kind of stuff and they want to get into doing it or like try one out or something. Then it's fun to... Right, because they can then to get out of their zone. Yeah, he was like, "Well, you're the, the, the he's like you're the sour beer guy. Let's we'll come do one with you, rather you know." So, why um did you choose chamomile for this one? Um, I had done a beer using chamomile before. It had honey and such in it. There's some floating around here somewhere, but it was like honey and cherry pits, which is like super almondy, like marzipan, almost amaretto. Okay, and like the chamomile is just like it's just such a nice, nice kind of flower. It's not yeah. like it's not super like perfumey. No, not at all. It's um, like, and we've used elderflower before as well, which was pretty nice. Okay. Um, but like we're again just kind of exploring our way through all these things, right? You're seeing so like works. I've done two beers with that flower. Next, we'll do something with something else, and we'll eventually come up with things that we like, and then try doing combinations over right. there. Right. It's super fun. Like I guess yeah, there really is infinite combinations of what you can do. Oh yeah. Like I've, I've met with the guys from like. Um, uh, the Wild Shack in Quebec there. Oh, yeah. Remy, Remy and Max. And Max and they came down here right after we opened, and we sat uh, down and drank a whole lot of beer. And I bet you did. They were crazy. talking about their collab. Like, I saw their collab they did with uh, with Kyle at Half Hours on Earth, and it was yep. like, it had like five ingredients in it, and and those guys are chefs. Yeah. And they're, I'm like, oh, you guys are so, like, you guys understand flavors. Yeah. I don't I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm just basically making, like, vanilla beer. Right. Chocolate beer, right. maybe chocolate and vanilla, and you guys are like doing whole desserts, <laughs> crazy right? Stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> I've do was interesting that you bring them up was that when you said that you had the barrel at home and that you were mm. pulling it out and uh, different things. We did a podcast with them like a hundred episodes ago, okay, like, in the yeah, house yeah. when it was like in the thirties or forties uh, episode, <laughs> and I'd never seen it before. There, they had cowboys everywhere, probably twenty oh, or thirty yeah. in every room in just a corner with like a hoodie over it. Yep. And those ones on nectarines, that's on peaches, that's on raspberries. Mm-hmm. It was like, I never, and I assume they've done, they went, didn't have any barrels, but they were doing that sort of, yep. uh, oh, type sure. of like way. That's like my basement was like right. a whole bunch just of stuff, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. So did you, have you done a collab with the boys? Uh, no, we haven't yet. We talked, we're talking about, out. I think doing it. We, uh, we talked, 
yeah, last time we were down at half hours, I think I said like, oh, so jealous. <laughs> and so we, I was, I think we're maybe planning to do something. All three. We yes. talked about it. I said we should all get together. We should yeah. have a sleepover. <laughs> we should have like a fire. It'll be Absolutely. good. We'll camp Seven out and beers. make a beer. Yeah. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Campfire beer. Ooh, not a bad idea. Something with smoke, maybe. Yeah. Maybe get that log, carve it out. Yo, can you explain? Okay, uh, where did you see? We'll just uh, beforehand we talk about a log. Something they do in Sweden, right? Um, yeah, this is like a Nordic thing. I, I'm not sure the exact well, maybe terminology. Like Scandinavian. This is a Scandinavian thing. Right, thing right. Yeah. So I've seen like uh, there's this. Um, they'll make the, like these farmhouse brewers will do all kinds of weird stuff over there. Right. Um, I've seen it before where they like cut down a whole tree, like hollow out the log, right. so there's like a channel, and like line it with like the. Like the spruce tips and, and the, the, the needles and stuff, yeah, yeah. and then they like pour the hot boiling beer through the one end of the log, and it runs all the way down the log and into their fermenter at the end, and picks up like all that sappy, woody flavor on the way. It probably brings and in some of the spruce tips as well. Probably it's probably yeah. got a bunch of wild yeasts like and stuff the, out of the. Uh, it, that looks like a real fun thing to do, and I'd love to get a, a tree in here. But you get the space. What's that? Do you know what it's called? I don't know what it's called, and I should. Uh, the guys on the Milk the Funk group on Facebook always like every. It's probably seasonally that this gets posted that right. someone's doing it. Kind of and I like got to look into a bit more. Is it like a harvest season, like a fall. It could be. It could be. Well, it, yeah. Maybe, it's, maybe not. Maybe spring. When, I don't know. To me, it seems like something I'd want to do. Yeah, like just before it gets cold. Type of thing. Yeah, like a, like either syrup season, like have yeah, the beer like ready around weather. there, yeah, or yeah. like. You know, so do it in the right before winter and everything dies off, and then have your beer come out. Wouldn't it be cool? So you just mentioned syrup. We could get like a maple tree, mm-hmm. maybe like a live maple tree. Yeah. If you can gut that, there'd still be some evidence, some leftover maple sap. Yeah, yeah, there. yeah. And then it might pick up some like a Canadian version of the Nordic thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, sick. we can do that. We should make a Canadian. Yeah. I might not, I'm sure there's probably something I'm yeah. missing there. Like I know the maple sap doesn't taste. It's probably got to be gravy or cheese curds yeah. or something. <laughs> Uh, you know, yeah, poutine yeah. beer? A poutine beer? No one's done that yet. <laughs> I don't know about dry hopping beer with uh, with poutine. But yeah, nice and meaty. Hey, people do pastry stouts. They just throw cakes and fermenters. So why can't you throw fries? Mm-hmm. That's some gravy. <laughs> Might not work too well with sours, but... Uh, I, um, like, I like the idea. Like It's like a salt and vinegar kind of vinegar on fries. Kind of. <laughs> it's like those bad barrels. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh you really keep that. There you go. That's the poutine beer. Yeah, it's vinegar poutine beer. I don't know about that one. It's going to be a very unique uh, <laughs> flavor profile. Um, so, I mean, a lot of the stuff you're doing then is, is generally fruit focused. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably well, the main. I, and fruit and herbs, I guess, is the main. main uh, yeah, we've done a couple beers. Like So when we opened, we did, we did like four different beers. We did like a cherry beer. We did... Uh, beer with peaches and apricots and we did like a dry hopped beer just to try and get a good variety and then we did one beer that was just a blend of three different sets of barrels okay to like just highlight that sour beer isn't all about fruit beers it's not always flavored beers right like like a goose or a lambic these are like straight up like that's just barley and wheat and that's your beer right but right. just with the different aging and the different uh, yeast and bacteria they just end up with so many different flavors that you can you can also craft a beer that way so that was our least popular beer when we opened the non-flavored the plain beer the plain one <laughs> yeah uh, and then like six months later it developed additional character in the bottle from Brett and just then it was our most popular beer like six months later uh, what's that called it was called something for everyone and okay. uh I don't know that we can ever make that beer again because it was like a certain time and place for those barrels that we picked from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we could always continue that name and like, and you know, try and do one this year and we'll say the Vintage. 2019 something yeah. for everyone is 
a similar like idea. Yeah. Might not taste the same, but it's going to be based on the same like formula anyway. Yeah, or it's like, like people do verticals in a few yeah. years time type of thing. I love that. Yeah. I think, I love so that we do idea. that. A, we do that a bit, and then we do obviously we do some beers with fruits. I'd say like half the beers are fruit, half of them are not. Okay. Maybe. Um, but it's a challenge because we only have so many fruit tanks and we can only put so much beer in them. Yes. And then it takes two to three months or I think six months lately for the cherry beers they were in there. Right. Like, so we can't just every month have a new fruit beer. Okay. Yeah. <coughs> Which would be nice. I'd yeah. like to do that. We we should try to do that. I mean, eventually, I guess you get to that. But now it's yeah, about yeah, yeah. picking up that schedule yeah. and stuff. So actually, this is interesting. I was going to like go into blending. But since you mentioned that, I think it might be cool to kind of just talk us through the process leading into blending. So... Um, as far as like just for people who don't know how all of this works because it is slightly different to just the average brewery who mm. would you know brew it in a typical uh, brewing system chucking in a fermenter chucking in a bright tank bottle of can a yep. keg, and you get yep. to go so there's additional <laughs> processes so you do like unlike some uh, blenderies some people actually purchase their wort from mm. somewhere else but you make the wort here yep um, and you would still put it in a fermenter yeah, uh, like usual. Yeah, we have like a fully operating brewery here that yep. we're sitting around. Standard for many um, things. Like we could just switch to making IPAs next week if we wanted, I guess. Right. Are you good? <laughs> We'd be able to make one because yeah. we only have one tank. This is the unique thing about this brewery. Whenever like a tour group comes through, like I can give you like the tour. Yeah. Like when the tour group comes through, I'm always like, uh, well, you know, so you guys have seen a brewery before. The back looks, you know, there's a bash tun and a brew kettle and this is how we make the beer. We use oats and spelt and barley and wheat and we make, you know, basically oatmeal in the mash tun and then we filter it through and we do the boil and that's where every other brewery adds their hops mm-hmm. and we don't use like any hops. We use like a sprinkling yep. just to just legally to say we make beer because ah. hops are one of the ingredients of beer. Right, right. Um, also to kind of keep the bacteria under control because like hops are what they started putting in beer to, to stop preserve. them from getting sour and to preserve yeah, them, yeah. right? So like if you went back 200 years... Uh, you're in London, you're drinking beer faster than they're making it, probably. Yeah. <laughs> and it's coming out of big wood vats. Like, it's all open fermented. It's like there's bacteria in everything, but they drink them so fast that nobody notices that they're going sour over time. Right. Until they start shipping them to India. And that's where the whole IPA thing comes yes. in when they started to have to start heavily hopping the beers for that Keep transit. Yeah, yeah. Right? So we keep the hops out mostly and then we give the tank like all the uh, yeast and bacteria all at once and let it just get going for a few days and then we take it out of the tank and load up like eight or 16 barrels depending on if we brewed one day or two days okay um so whereas most breweries they'll like start on day one and go like all right we're making a stout it's gonna be out in three weeks it's gonna be called this we're using roast barley this la 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 la. and they brew it and it's done and they know what it is we're more like it's happening a year later, so we yeah. have no idea what's going on with this beer that we're brewing today. So we're more like trying to stock the cellar, like stock the pantry with like good ingredients right. for like a future recipe kind of. So we, we, ha- we, we cycle through about four to six maybe different recipes. We're actually varying things a bit now. Okay. So we'll brew like a nice simple Berliner Weiss kind of base or something with more oats or something that's dark or blah, blah, blah. Right. And then later we'll come and say, like, we've got, we've got we all these grapes. What do we want to do? Do we want to use a red, <clears throat> sort of Flanders red kind of base? Do we want to blend two of these other beers together with the grapes? What do we want to do? Right. So it's just, it's all about the challenge is just planning to have enough the variety base. of stuff. Right, that you can therefore blend and then yeah, okay. to choose from. So then you've got the barrels full of various different stuff. So mm-hmm. when it comes time, so you said like you have over here, we have Hascat berries, yeah. peaches, Hascat berries, peaches. There's black currant in one yeah. of them over there. So you get a whole bunch of Hascat <coughs> berries, say, mm-hmm. and you're like, all right, let's do something with that. What does that 
look. So we're not pointing we, over there. We got a lot of Hascat berries, and I've never tasted one before in my yeah. life. So they just came in, and we spent a whole good. bunch of money and said, I hope they're good. Um, but let's Fingers just crossed. do it. Why not? Right? right? So they're in these, like, <laughs> for those, I keep forgetting that it's uh, audio as well. So this, it's like a, a square metal tank. Yeah. We're essentially an ages. So then mm-hmm. do you... In that tank, so you got the half oh, okay, they're yeah. all squished up. So what? How do you get from so, the barrels yeah. to that thing? So we just came out of this fermenter after a few days. We went into barrels, and then we forgot about our beer for like six months or nine months Let or a year. Yep. Some of them a year and a half now. And then you get your half. And then we come back. Like, we get right. the berries, and we say, "How much berries do we want? I don't know. Let's get a bunch." Yep. We put them into this uh, stainless steel tank. The berries. And then first, we grab yeah. like four to six barrels that we like. Okay. And we put them in there with the berries right so, so the beer gets pumped into that tank with the berries and then it sits there for months do yeah. you pre-blend the six four to six barrels no well not really like we'll, we'll taste them and go like uh what are we doing we're doing a peach beer we don't need like complexity necessarily in a peach beer let's just go and pick some of our favorite berliner weiss barrels okay there might be because we brew a berliner weiss every at least every two months so there's like we have probably five batches of varying ages here okay. so we can go back and say like let's grab one of our oldest ones or let's see how the young one's going we might even say like let's pick our youngest one because it's got to spend three months in that tank with peaches anyways right oh so we'll yeah. just empty because it's Doesn't if it's not quite finished fermenting or clearing we can just put it in and it's probably got the most lively yeast in it still and everything so sometimes we might use a younger beer when we go on to fruit because it's going to spend more time anyways mm. like the cherry beer last year sat for six more months in the tank so right. it didn't matter that maybe it was only three months old when we started gotcha, gotcha. Right? that makes sense um, but, but sometimes we might be like oh you know like we're doing and peach is probably a good example because we might be doing something like let's try to add a little more character to it it's kind of soft and let's try to find some funkier older barrels and like bring those in and we'll sit up at the bar with a whole bunch of glasses lined up and like Blend get them. different barrels out and like you know, try tasting mixes of different ones. And Is see, it like, like eyeball or do you like measure? Um, we have like, you know, pipetting equipment and stuff. Yeah, we've got labs, labs t- type measuring equipment. Okay. Um, I just wasn't sure if it was kind of like just, oh yeah. Well, so sometimes if the, you're like, uh, let's do uh, 10 mils, 10 mils, 20 mils, like we can do that pretty okay. easily, like one shot. Just so you can like ratio it. So yeah. Like, if okay. we want to be precise. Right, right. Um, which doesn't always happen. But, you know, like when we blend half Remember Dream, our recipe is, and that's our rose hip and hibiscus beer. Yep. Our recipe is like six of this, one of that, one of that. Right. And when we have those eight glasses lined up, we want to make sure we're doing exactly like a right. 10 mils, 10 mils. So we do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we're just tasting around the cellar, we're sometimes just going like, oh, these ones are funky and we'll keep a note for later. Like what? this barrel has like some pear notes or orangey or like this one's like getting super apple and we'll keep those notes because, you know, like we just bought a bunch of pear juice right. and we're going to say, like, let's go find those pear barrels and, and try using that. And pair it up. Yeah. So at the end, like, I guess if, you, if you're sort of thinking about it, what when you put the stuff in with the fruit, sorry, when, mm-hmm. when you put the, the liquid from the barrels yep. into the fruit, you don't really know what's going to happen. Like, it's still a bit of a crapshoot because it, you don't know how the fruits and the, the sorry the sugars and everything in the fruit yeah. are gonna react with the, the beers and stuff and how it's yep. gonna yep right. I mean if we were smart we would buy a little bit of fruit first and then put it in a, <laughs> in a jar and try it out and then come back this is a problem right you can't come back three months later and go ah wow. we should have made that beer now you know what those barrels are all older some of them might have started breathing a bit more maybe you know like things have changed a bit but right. so uh, it's, it's always good to be able to do those experiments up front but yeah. I, we don't usually have time to do them um, yeah. the best I can do is say like I made a cranberry beer at home I didn't like it 
we shouldn't do that. Right. <laughs> Which, Maybe we should, though, because some people liked it. Cranberry's a good one. Yeah. I guess it's got to be mixed with the right stuff. Probably not by itself, because it's, like, bitter generally. Or... Well, speaking of Hascaps, the Hascap berries, it's quite bitter too. to me, they're kind of like a mix between blueberries, cranberries, and grapes or something. Right. Like, they've got, like, a sour cranberry kind of flavor to them, so I'm really, really excited about that one. Will that come out, fun. like, super purple? Um, it looks very purple. Like, we put some berries in a jar with beer, and, like, the next day it was, like, ink black. Nice. So they're so very, very colorful. Yeah. Cool. I love that. Right? Yeah. It's fun. That's and, fun. And, of, and of course, when we're in those tanks, too, we don't know, like, how much. With something like raspberry beer that I've made before, I know kind of how much raspberries I can use. But since right. those tanks are, they're small. Um, what size are they, actually? What's so those tanks will hold to the top, like, 1,300 liters, maybe. So I think we can okay. fit, like, six whole barrels of beer in there. And then when we're using, like, a fruit puree, that's a certain amount of fruit. Um Sometimes we can only fit like four or five barrels in there, right. but we know that maybe that amount of raspberry is good for six barrels worth of beer. So we'll make like an over-fruited version of it in that tank for and a bit. And then on bottling day, we water it down with the last barrel of beer. So right now we have four times as much peach as we should have probably in one of those. Right. So it's like extremely yes. uh, peachy. And we're getting more tanks real soon, so we'll be able to oh, spread that out and do a bunch more and like maybe <coughs> sequence it. So like you said, yeah. you can have more releases more often. Yeah, exactly. Three are going to come at the same time. They're all going to come out at the same time, and I'm going to need to like uh, get a whole bunch of raspberries or something, yeah. right? Or whatever's in season at the time. Or right, right. That's the other problem, right? Seasonality for fruit. Like we make our cherry beers in July, August, right? Because that's when they all when come out, early. and then they come out. Well, I think the cherry beers came out in January and February this year, so they sat on the fruit for quite a while. Right. But uh, we won't get to make those again. But like, oh, so the very first year when I bought cherries, I bought enough cherries for a lot of beer. We'll say, and uh, I've started it in two tanks, and then said, "Well, what? Where do I put all these cherries now? Do I freeze them? Do I have enough freezers?" Mm -hmm. And uh, it turned out that the best place to store them was just in beer, in more beer. So we just made right. more beer, well, it's cherry beer. And we had that. cherry beer for the whole year, pretty right. much as a result. Just so much. That's dope. That's the <laughs> way to do uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just make as much as you can, I guess, when the fruit comes out. Right. Mm -hmm. Best way. Should we go to the next? Yes. Beer, and then we'll Let's move do on to the blending uh, process. Yeah, for sure. That was fantastic. For sure. What, um, do, what do we got? So we got two cherry beers here. This was a award winner last year. Okay. Maybe this year. I don't know. This is yep. a Flanders Red on cherries, which you probably haven't tried. That one's pretty nice. Okay. Uh, the ginger beer, did you try? No, I didn't have the ginger. If you want to try something that's not fruit. Something Maybe we different. try the ginger, then we can go into the cherry. Yeah, or, or, or there's a... one of these other, the coffee one, for example, is yeah. a... Maybe wrap up yeah, that's a good idea. Okay. Before it would blow your mouth away. Beautiful. <laughs> What's this one called? So this beer is called As You Wish. As You Wish. And um, I did have that one. our very first cherry beer was called uh, They Go Up. Okay. Which is actually like on the label it says it's named at it's named because cherries were floating in the tank and they went up. Right. But in reality, it was named after a line from Ghostbusters. Okay. There's a that's line right. of Ghostbusters where like uh, Dan Aykroyd says. Uh, Hey, where do these stairs go? And Bill Murray says, they go up. And that's, we just thought, me and my wife thought it was so funny that we, and then so we decided to name the beer that, because we were trying to come right. up with names at the time. And it's a horrible process coming up with names. Right, yeah, being names. And making up like 20 names a year is terrible. <laughs> um, so we decided to continue the theme of uh, using movie lines for our cherry beers. So right. As You Wish uh, is named for the Princess Bride. Okay. Um, so, you know, the farm boy in The Princess Bride, his line is as you wish whenever you know the lady says like fetch me that 
bucket, fetch me that this, right, right. as you wish, and that really means I love you. Right. Anyways, the author of The Princess Bride had passed away right around the time we were putting this beer together. So we right. said, like, oh, this is a perfect homage and everything. So That's we, cool. We called it that, and our artist in Sweden put a lot of, a lot of little oh, art from the, yeah, uh, yeah. from the movie, kind of like some imagery from that. So That's dope. So that was kind of fun. So like that, that was... Nice and connected. Yeah. Okay. So it's always fun to come up with a theme. Yeah, right? It makes it a little easier <laughs> for, the, uh, for the art and, mm-hmm. like... That's that is definitely a harder thing. Yeah. Okay. So is this the fl- was this the Flanders red one? Yeah, and I probably just grabbed the warm one. <laughs> That's okay. Warm has the most no, flavor. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Big facts. What's the ABV on this one? Uh, so this is uh, maybe six. Six point zero. So six. there you go. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. oh no, we gotta get the photo. We gotta get the photo. Yeah, yeah. Here you go. You know the rules. <laughs> well, <coughs> it smells good. Oh, and oh. there she goes. <laughs> you know what? I'll get you the more photogenic one. There we go. The bottle started exploding. It's a, it's a room temperature beer. Like, so the That's thing you'll it. notice here is none of the, we don't have a cold room. Right. Nothing so here is ever refrigerated. Right. So, so people ask, like, how long do your beers last or do I have to keep it in the fridge? And I always right. say no, because it's never been in the fridge in its life. Right. So and it will last difference. for like years. No right. But as a result, uh, the carbonation kind of jumps right out of the beer when they're too warm. Right. So they got to go in the fridge for a few hours first. Okay, that makes sense. Well, first of all, here we go. Oh, that, that was a good one. That was a good one. <laughs> if you want to taste the cold one, we oh, can nice. do that. But warm is huh? just full oh, of flavor. I'm getting, I'm getting the flavor from this one. <laughs> this is like much more subtle than a Flanders Red. I like that. Yeah, so we had um, our Flanders Red. We brewed it in like, I want to say September 2017, mm-hmm. and it just would not get sour. It just refused to. Up. It was like a year later. It still wasn't sour. So we decided like, um, um, let's put it on to fruit, and the extra sugar in the fruit might kickstart some of that uh, bacteria souring. So you get going. And there. that actually happened. So this beer has, I think, like the right kind of level of sour. Like it's like... There's a whole range of sourness or oakiness or whatever for, or sweetness for Flanders Reds. Like there's a broad spectrum for a Flanders. Like a Rodenbach will be like a very, uh, like a sweeter Flanders Red where they balance the acidity with sweetness and tannin. Like whereas uh, I think Bryce's uh, Halcyon, his Flanders Red, uh, I think it's called Gravity Well. Oh yeah, I've had that. I yes. found that to be a really oaky Flanders, yeah. like really dry, really oaky. Yeah, not um, that at all this. And this one I find is just like, uh, it's kind of a less sour. It's like a lesser everything. It's like a subtler right. Flanders red. I definitely like that. I'm not the hugest Flanders red guy, mm-hmm. and this is like a nice balance of it because it's kind of like got the touch of that with yeah. like plus the cherries. Like, the cherries, yeah, yeah, which is super like. What's that? There's some spices in this. Almost like cinnamon or something. Uh, you know, like, you'll get that. So I, um, so there's no spices added to this. Right, but it, but what I've found over the years is that. Um, uh, you sometimes get a cinnamon note, and I think it comes from cherry skins, because I've done a cherry beer before that was just pitted cherries, like so okay. the pit's taken out, mm-hmm. and I still got that cinnamon. So there's got to be something in the cherry itself that in a sour beer uh, converts to cinnamon, or maybe with brat or something. Right. Um, Funky. That's what I'm getting, too. Um, this has brat? Yeah, yeah, every yeah, beer every here does. Okay. Yeah. Um, but the other thing this beer has is, uh, so I'm always really bad about calling our farmer in July. Okay. The very first year I phoned him to get cherries, it was the last year, or that was the last day he was doing cherries. Right. So he like, like pits the cherries at the field, puts them in buckets, and sends them to grocery stores. It was the last day he was doing it. Right. So all the cherries already had the pits taken out of them. 
So he like stopped the line and like put in bigger buckets for me and like started just running cherries into big buckets for me, but then right. said like all the pits are already taken out, but I can send you, like I'm just gonna throw them out. I'll send you all the pits separately. Cause like okay. whole cherries, cherry with the cherry pits, I find makes like the best fruit, fruit character, like the best cherry character. So I actually got separately the cherries and the cherry pits and I had to like weigh them to find out how much like, of the cherry is the pit. So right. I could put like one kilo of pits for seven kilos of cherries or something Probably like that. The ratio so we had to put the cherries back together basically <laughs> uh, in the beer. And uh, I think that comes across really unique in some of these cherry beers because um, cherry pits give you like a kind of like an almond or amaretto kind of character. Like it's it's also what marzipan is made out of. Mm. Um, so cherry pits? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's like the they crack them and they make a powder out of it and oh, stuff. Yeah. It's called Maleb, I think, and uh, it's like a Middle Eastern yeah. spice Middle that Eastern they use for that, right? Um, Sick. But uh, and actually, the first cherry we made, we went to the. This was with another brewery. We went to the store and bought the powder to, to add to the cherries, right? But uh, no, we used the cherry pits. You know, separately from the cherries, just because that's the way they came that year. Um, but the fun thing about that is it lets us kind of do a beer with more cherry pit character if we want. Right. So that's what happened in this Flanders Red. I, I said, you know what, we like yeah. the. F I like this almond kind of amaretto note that comes out of this. Right. Let's try to bump that up a bit. So we actually added maybe fifty percent more cherry pits than normally would be in the cherries. Just to sort of ramp that up. Yeah. So I thought nice, that this this one comes out as sort of an amped up. I'm absolutely kidding that. And yeah. we made a beer, like that I was mentioning before, with chamomile and honey and cherry pits, because I wanted to right. make a beer, and just we jokingly called it Just the Pits. <laughs> um, and it tasted, like, after about a month or so, it, it was really reminiscent of Amaretto. So it was right. a really cool, sweet What is Amaretto again? Excuse my liquor. Well, it's a liqueur, right, liqueur, that they make with the cherry. Is that the almond liqueur? The it's almondy. It's almondy, right? But right. It's, I think it's made, uh, well, Kirsch is a cherry one, but, like, Amaretto, it's made from the, the pits of the cherries, I think. So. Right. Okay. Amazing. Or as far as I know, it is. I could be totally wrong. It could Someone be made for bananas. Us, I don't yeah. know. Either way. Okay, sick. So basically, we interrupt the uh, process to get another beer. Oh. But basically, we're gonna, we, we've gone from there. Now, where does the, like the, the art of, I guess, sorry, the, 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 it sits on the fruit and then when it's ready, that's when it gets essentially put into the... Yeah, into the tank and then bottled up. And that's kind of it. So there's no additional... Like, There's I no wizardry we, after that. Right, that's it's, it's, <laughs> Okay, so I guess I wanted to like touch on that. Well, there is. There is a little, right? Mm -hmm. We could say, like, we did a blueberry beer where I had no idea how many wild blueberries to use, so we just put in way too many, and then ended up with a beer that looked like a wine, tasted really whiny because right. it was so purple and so, um, you know, I don't know, not tannic, but, like, it, 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 it had really had, like, a wine character. Um, and we started doing this thing where we took the same barrels of beer that went onto the grapes and like started adding them back to it okay. to taste and said like still tastes still the same yeah. yeah still tastes the same so we said well geez we could probably make we could get 30% more bottles if we just added a couple more barrels back and it's not really much of a change from the amount of fruit we use so we know in the future how much fruit we could use right. but at the time we had bought so much blueberries and it was going to be our most expensive beer ever but we managed to like stretch it a little it further without really impacting the flavor so that's that's kind of one thing we'll do near the end is is just decide um can you water down a bit is it like over the top and is it going to have to be super expensive or can we bring this you know within reason and still be a really good fruit forward beer right that's and then dope. going forward we'll know for next time Right. to save a bit of money on fruit or whatever. Right. right. 
that's cool. I didn't think of it like that, actually. Yeah. Like, that's how you can sort of do it. Was there anything that we could speak to for, like, the art of blending as such? Like, is that, like, <coughs> I know that you said, you know, you have the, you pull out a bunch of barrels, you know what the general mm. flavor profile is, and you just guys, like, just wing it? Or it's, is there sort of, like, more of a... Yeah, it's something that no, I don't think anybody really knows how to do well. Like, some, obviously, there's some pros, like, you got, you know, the... The Lambie. The Lambic producers probably are very good at it. Like, they'll know how much young beer and new beer to put together, and it'll carbonate perfectly, and la, la, la. Um, around here, like, I don't, I had, you know, when I went to the West Coast, I had, I got to chat with some people, and um, um, even locally, there's some, some folks who were doing, like, have a barrel program in Quebec, so, like, a la foot yeah. has a good barrel program out there, and I had Great. run into those guys in Toronto a couple of years ago and said, oh, um... I'd ask this of a couple people, like, oh, you guys are blending beers. Can I just come by someday that Check you're doing that to just, like, sit down and watch how you guys do it? And I didn't hear back from them. Or uh, there was another place, probably in Toronto or somewhere, they were doing it and said, well, we don't know what day it's ever going to be. We just kind of... Because it's not their main thing. Right. They're making other beers, and just when they have time, they're going to go blend a beer, a sour right. beer, yeah, or yeah, barrels. Yeah, yeah. So they, there's no way to really schedule it. So it was really, like, I came into it not knowing what to do you just you just kind of have to do it right thankfully it's it can be as easy or as hard as you want to make it i guess because subjective definitely. yeah yeah so i mean i could just say oh one of that one of that that's good enough or we could really start to drill down drill down into it um so we had an event that we hosted here and this is probably the most educational program in the region right is when we have around christmas we did an event this year called blenderama okay where um we invited uh, people to come in. Uh, we ticketed event and had like 30 people come in. And we got out eight barrels of beer. And we brewed up a whole bunch of different teas. Like we went to like the bulk barn and stuff and grabbed a whole bunch of star anise and lavender and rose hips and la 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 la. And made up all these like super strong concentrated teas. Because that's, you know, like we do half from our dream, our rose hip and hibiscus beer is done that way where we basically blend eight barrels of beer and then we add like a we we steep like a whole bunch of dried rose hips and hibiscus and make like a really really strong tea, mm -hmm. and then it goes into the tank on the day we're bottling it or the day before, right. right? And that's the flavor that we add to that beer. And we've you know in the past figured out how much to use and blah blah blah, but we basically set everybody up at the at the at, in the tasting room here with glasses of every single beer from those eight barrels we tasted through them all and like took some notes and explained oh this barrel was used for that beer before previously it was used in a beer that you know we had uh, passion fruit in and now you're tasting it it's got just you know it's a berliner weiss than these ones and uh, we gave everybody a note and did a good tasting with them and then just let them loose with like measuring instruments and stuff and like so basically you're going to want to like take one part of this one part of that maybe two of this one of that and then like come up to the bar and grab one of these 20 bottles of different flavored like teas that we had made basically right like ginger or whatever and just like once you got something you think is cool you can look through the flavor spectrum and decide do any of those flavors work for you and so like we had 30 people make 30 different beers and they left that night with four bottles like i i sat i stood over here blending them as people finished they had like a worksheet and they filled it out and like handed it to a guy and went into a computer and then came out in the end here's how much of each barrel you need to put in their right. beer so we blended it all poured it and like ran it into four bottles for them capped them got the sugar in so they would carbonate so we did this like a month before christmas so we said these will be christmas Ready. gifts christmas. if you want right 
And um, yeah, and we actually made five bottles of everything. Right. So, so we had one extra from everybody's beer that we could spend our time, and it took a long, it's, we're only halfway through them, like two, two, three months later. But every now and then we put a couple in the fridge and we get them out and say like, how did Steve's beer turn out? Right. What did he do? Was it a good one? You know, and so we've seen which ones, you know, were, were, were nice and which ones weren't. So it's, like, it's kind of a nice way to farm ideas. Yeah. I don't want to be the guy who like came up with like his beers based on what other people made. But like if we find one that we really like that comes out of one of those events, we'll just call that person up and say like, hey, you made a really super awesome beer. We'd like to put it into production here. Do you want to come in and help or like? I don't know how we would do that, but I'm sure I'm would sure we'll stoked. have them. What did you call your beer? Do you want to do the art for it? What do you want to do? Like, you know, you just picked a hoppy beer and blended it with a dark beer and threw in some lime, and it was awesome or something, right? Right, like, right. Yeah. So we've got like a cool list of like with asterisks beside the ones that we thought were really neat. But. Have there been any really good ones that you've had so there far? There were a few that were were the really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. That's like a, a great community buy-in. Mm-hmm. But also just teaching people about something that, like you said, if you're the only sour brewery in Canada, there's not that many places like mm-hmm. in the scheme of things that do like that sort of blending. Like it's a rare opportunity for people to do that. Yeah, and I th- it also kind of like goes back to that whole hurdle of like the big challenge for me will be educating people. Yeah. That's what we do. So these were like a whole bunch of enthusiastic people. They had, it was actually all people from my uh, my beer club. Like, uh, so we have a club at the brewery where we, you know, people sign up and then you get special release beers throughout the year. Yes. And also you get invitations to the special events before anyone else does. Nice. And they like bought all the tickets. Nice. So like that first one we did at Christmas was all sold out to people who were in my club. And then we said, I was getting phone calls from people who really wanted to come and like, when are you doing it again? So we did it again in January so that we would have beers for Valentine's Day. So we we did, we've done two sessions of it and I don't. I don't know that I want to do it again super soon, but yeah, like just doing it for like a special event, I think is a fun thing where people come come out, have some good food. We'll have like a restaurant, like a local restaurant, come in and bring do a pop up food thing. And yeah, like everybody gets to just hang out, drink, and make their own beer, and then they, we give them labels they could draw their own art and stuff. It was good fun. Yeah, that's a, that's really cool. But I think that's the best way to learn how to blend is to come here and just <laughs> for figure a blending thing and just start doing it right. Yeah. The, I guess the big challenge is just having a whole range of things to choose from. Yeah. Whereas at home, I might have like two two beers, three beers. And this is how it starts, right? You'll sit there at home if you happen to be a home brewer and you have like taps at home or bottles at home. You start like pouring one beer into another and see, is that any better or worse? Or, yeah, yeah. So how do you how do you keep the consistency for, say, like the half remember dream, which is uh, year round? Like, how do you make sure that like it's pretty much the same? Um, that's a challenge for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't think it wanders too far, um, but definitely like certain beers are getting older than others. And actually one important component of that beer, we only ever had 15 barrels of it right. and we're down to the last three now. So the recipe is going to sort of evolve slightly going forward. Like there was a barrel that had like a bit of an apple cidery note to it that okay. adds like a bit of a bite to that beer. So we're going to have to find a substitute. So right. I think as long as we keep the, 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 the same idea for that beer together, it should be, be fine. fine. But like generally we're looking for, you know, six of our oldest barrels of Berliner Weiss and one of these and one of that. And like just trying to accent. Like that's, that's how I approach blending actually is, is pick a base beer that we want to base it on. And then say, what does it need more of? A bit more of this, a bit more of that. Do we have anything, any barrels that have that? So we'll say like, I really wish this had a little more funk. We have like four barrels of pretty funky beer. Let's go try that, right? Or like, like just start with a base and add accents. 
That's right. Kind of, that's kind of how it's worked here. So it's almost like when uh, like people have told me that like year on year the hot um, harvest oh, yeah. can change. Exactly. So that that was some, something somebody that. asked me, right? Like, how are you worried about keeping consistency because you've got beers that you don't control very well, like they get super hot in the tank, you know, they get off flavors, it takes months for that to age out. Um, and it really comes down to just having enough to choose from or not really caring that it does exactly wander different. over time because I can go to the store and buy somebody's IPA this month that tastes different from the IPA six months ago and it's the same label but just like the hop harvests change or people tweak recipes constantly right so, so it's not really a big deal I don't think so I think people expect it to be like it's craft beer it's not like mm -hmm. mass production there's always you know it's not McDonald's level consistency type of thing or bud or whatever mm -hmm. like it has to be some sort of a variance in yeah. there well, I don't. I don't want to look at. I don't want to think like consistency, like not being able to maintain absolute consistency, is a negative. I think no, it's more of like a horizon broadening kind of thing, right? Yeah. Where, you know, like uh, so we've done Jam Hands, which was the raspberry beer, like three one. times now. Yeah, yeah. The first one was um, probably my favorite. Mm -hmm. The second one was less, uh, maybe less um, complex. Okay. And then I went back and looked at the recipes and said, oh, geez, well, this is why we picked one of these barrels instead of one of those. Right. So the third time we made it, we went back to the like sort of original formula. Yeah. But it was a larger batch. So it kind of, you know, it didn't quite hit that hit the exact same numbers, but it was much Pretty closer. Close, yeah. So, I mean, we're always going to be hunting. And even if things vary, people are going to, you know, you would keep. I really like the 2017 of this one. It really had a little more of this than that. And, right. And that happens with even like a beer like Rodenbach, right? Like the 20, you know, 2013 might be better, like for a certain reason or sweeter than another year. Like they just, things always change. Yeah, and that's true. I, I mean, mean, I don't think it's a problem. No, I don't think it's a problem at all. I'm just curious, I wonder if, uh, do you, I guess you don't label all of them. It's like with vintage, not everything like has a vintage on it. Yeah, they all have a year on them, so they, oh, do, they do, unfortunately. Ah, so no, that, no, that's good. That's so it's it. it's say. unfortunate for me because I order all these labels and then I can't. I have like six hundred extra labels from twenty seventeen oh, for a beer like that, that I can't God. use anymore, right? So God damn it, just it. costs more. <laughs> God damn it, right? Yeah, you just get to do like a shopping. You find sign a little initial legal document. Um, what do you want to do next, huh? Um, did you want to try the ginger or the tonka? Bean yeah. one or the coffee one mm. or I, I think you're right. We, we got time for it. You got time yeah, for like two time. more. Yeah, we got time for like two more. Okay. The ginger might be cool. Ginger is cool. It's totally yeah. different from anything else. And I'm, I'm actually pretty fast. Yeah, there. We've actually made it twice, so yeah. it's one that people might do about doing it again. Okay. Uh, and then now we're out of those barrels, so we can't do Thank it anymore until we try to brew the same thing. Right. <laughs> uh, the coffee. Oh, we can do the coffee. Oh, this beer even has a fun story. Okay. <laughs> Not a not in a good way. Not a good way. Not really. Tell oh it's that one. It's uh yeah, so this was um it was a red red beer to start with. So we we had brewed like a... this was right around the time we brewed our Flanders Red the first time, like okay. in September twenty seventeen, maybe October. Mm -hmm. But we did a variation on the red beer recipe where we used a bunch of rye malt. Okay. So we're sitting here with these barrels and tasting them every now and then, saying like, oh it's got like a nice little kind of rye spiciness to it. And then, like, one uh, local restaurant owner was in and said, like, oh, yeah, you should definitely, like, put, we should do, do ginger or something with that. Like, it's already spicy. And so the idea sort of developed to kind of try and do, like, a beer take on the dark and stormy. Okay. So, like, oh, yeah, that ginger, lime, 
spiced rum kind of yeah, drink, right? Yeah, it certainly smells like that. And um, so we basically went in that direction. And I had never made a ginger beer before, so we just we just put it in the tank and started... Uh, I just, like, we, I just, just I like, basically went to the grocery store every day and bought five more pounds of ginger. And we, like, grated it up and, like, chucked it in and, like, let it stir. Like, we had the pump hooked up backwards, just keeping the ginger floating, That's pushing so in from the bottom, just floating. And then we would taste it, like twice a day and go like more ginger more ginger like, and we go back to the store and the lady at the store was like what are you doing <laughs> right because i and like ran out of ginger at one store i had to go to another store so but the second time we made it i found a store that actually sold me a box of ginger so that was much good. easier um but then we also used lime leaves and yes this. so this is um i had tried experiments like juicing lime and juicing it like squeezing juice in like always ended up coming out like a couple of weeks later kind of started tasting a little putrid or something almost like mm. like it goes off going off yeah. Yeah, yeah and I know zesting limes this is something people do too and I tried that but then like a friend had said why don't you try lime leaves I've done that before and it's great and holy shit lime leaves like taste like, um, lime. Taste like lime that's crazy and so what we did we went to this um, I don't want to sound racist but <laughs> this oriental grocery store oh yeah the asian store is the same asian store but it's called oriental grocery store so i'm, oh. I'm okay to say that that's, that's, that's the that. name of their sign <laughs> oh the asian um, store, i love asian grocery stores that's yeah so oh my god yeah went in there grabbed well i don't know oriental is not used anymore Wait, it's but it's the, 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 the name store. of the store that's different <laughs> <laughs> so we went in and uh grabbed like all the lime leaves we could find there and like just jammed them in a keg and like took beer out of the tank let it sit in the keg for like half a day and then like pushed it back in the tank and tasted it more yeah and we did it again with more leaves and like and then we were like oh perfect now it's great right and so it took us like five days to get the right amount of ginger and lime in it right and now we know for next time that's what you gotta do and uh yeah it came out pretty cool that's i don't sick. know it's fun it's yeah. it's again it's totally different i don't think i've had a beer yeah like, like that it's gonna be fun to make a beer that you've never had before hell yeah this smells amazing Nice. And I wanted to make sure we didn't burn your mouth, burn your throat with, with ginger. The ginger. That's why we kept just adding more and more. Super creamy compared to your other stuff. Mm. Um, like even just like looking at the head, it's that kind of like, you know, it's like sticking around rather mm -hmm. than completely yeah, maybe. right? Less sharp accommodation. Yep. Could also be the bottles warming up, but. Could be that Anyways, too. Yeah. Uh, no, this is great. Like, it's like the, it's like a, yeah, the softer tartness. <laughs> um, I like it. Um, What's the darker? I guess it's got that rum, like the darker multi. Yeah, so I mean that beer has. Almost. It's a red beer, so it's got a bit of maybe like roast or chocolate yeah, malt in it. I go. think like or a little crystal malt or something. Yeah. Um, Super smooth. I like that. Let's see the photo. Yeah, 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 the drill. All right. Pirate <laughs> 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 styles. Yeah, this is dope, man. It's a great one. Yeah, so when, the first time we made this beer, I said, like, this beer is, and it was, like, in the summer, I think, last year it came out. Yep. I just wanted to sit outside on a dock and drink it. It was, like, a... It's totally that like kind a, of... That kind of, like, sundowners kind of happy hour kind of drink, I think. Yeah, right, 6-7, so it's still kind of, like... It's a little higher. I mean, that's just because that beer and, like... Some of the darker beers we brew, they're a bit stronger. Yeah. Like, um, so we'll have like an eight percent dark beer or a six or seven percent red beer. Right. And then we hit down into the fours and fives for some of the other ones. So yeah, a bit more chill. No, this is cool. Just like it's like you said, it's like a fun, different twist. I think uh, I love ginger. I'm a huge fan. I have ginger tea mm -hmm. every morning. 
JJ Embiid nice. makes me very happy. Lila actually, works really well with the lime. I actually feel like this version of it is a little less gin bright ginger than last okay. time because what happened was we left it in the tank and left the pump on to keep stirring it. And then we came in in the morning and the like uh, strainer had blocked blocked or something. So it was pushing beer through a whole bunch of ginger skins. And it stripped right. a bunch of that spicy flavor out. Cause it, right. So we ended up more with like a little more vegetable side of ginger than the spicy side, right. if that makes sense. No, absolutely. Like more of the pulp than the, yeah, than yeah. the heat. So, so I had to run to the store in the morning and up. again talk to the lady at the like, and get five more pounds of ginger <laughs> and do five more pounds. Um, so you, but but we, I think we rescued it close. But I think the very first one we did was like a like a hint spicier. So right, we'll aim for that next time. Love it. No, it's like a nice balanced spice. Like I feel like it's not like scary. It could definitely be sharper. Mm. Yeah, like yeah, it, and, and, it, and it, it would ruin it. Would make it a, like complement yeah. it nicely. Yeah, I think like ten percent more next time. Mm. Or like I said, like what happened was we stripped the flavor out of it by mistake overnight. Right, that's what happened. One of the two. Yeah, I feel like that sort of that sort of sharp spiciness, the ginger type of spiciness, would complement complement this grape. This is fantastic. Man. Yeah, well, well, lime leaves, eh? Who would have thunk it? Bit. Lime. I'm really excited about using them in another beer. Some coolest thing ever. I want to do hops and lime leaves or something next, yeah. maybe. This is a good idea. Yeah. yeah, something like because uh, oh so oh, oh shit like we did a yeah we did a collab with uh, two crows out of Halifax nice. last Love year, them. and uh, I went out there for the TBA the brewing awards was yeah. out there. And uh, we hooked up and made uh, a beer together. And I said, uh, like, I brought my yeast from here. They had their yeast. It was called Thunderdome was the name of the beer because we, like, put all the yeast together, like, two yeast enter, one beer leaves <laughs> sort of sort of idea. Um, That's cool. And was talking with Jeremy out there and said, like, oh, you know what we just did? We just did this beer with lime leaves. They're super awesome. Just go get a bunch of lime leaves. So yeah. they released that beer. It was a... Um, I don't know if it was dry hop, but it was definitely like a lime leaf hopped, dry dry lime leafed beer kind of. Oh, okay. And uh, it came out in cans and it went like to the West Coast and stuff. And like I got a few and it was awesome. It's like, because right. a sour beer, you always get like a lemony kind of sour note to right. it. I find it's, it's like, it's often like a citrusy kind of flavor, like to just a straight up, like plain old sour Berliner Weiss beer. They're, they can usually be fairly lemony. Mm -hmm. um, but just adding those lime leaves turned it straight into lime. Like it right. tasted like a lime beer. Just, just by adding that slight shift in, uh, in aroma, right. it, it was like you were drink, drinking limes. That's so good. Yeah. It's a, like, I guess it would be, it would work really well with those tropical kind of hops. I can see that for sure. Mm. Like balancing out. That's cool. Try my, we're always trying to find our, our, our favorite, like, not our favorite, but like, we always, trying to do a dry hop beer every now and then to just kind of iterate and try and try different things until we find like our oh my god like, that one's awesome I love right. it let's just keep doing this. it's like a straight up and down dry hop sound yeah. type of thing well like Bellwoods has uh, Jelly King yeah, it's like, which is a fantastic beer I love it yeah, and great. like we're looking for what's our Jelly King of dry hop beers when right. we eventually come around to the right mix so, how many have you done that are just straight up dry hopped um, the, one of our very first releases was called Orange Whisper, which was a uh, mosaic. It was a cryo mosaic hop that we used, which is really orangey. But we that beer started life as we had like four barrels out of one batch. And this is the fun part about having 16 barrels full of the same beer. Right. They don't all taste the same. Right. And for some reason, we found four barrels that really tasted orangey. Okay. And, and that was the starting point. And so we took those four really orangey barrels and then found three really tangy barrels that were like more acidic mm -hmm. and like added a tanginess. And we just said, let's just keep doing orange, 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 orange. Let's make orange juice. Right. And then we took that cryo mosaic hops and dry hopped it. And it like the beer came out like 
very, very orange juicy. Nice. And a lot of people just asked, like, what kind of oranges did you use, etc. And, like, there was like, no nope. fruit in this beer. So it was called Orange Whisper. It was the idea of oranges right. with no oh, actual oranges. Nice. Actually, the, the label said something like the orangiest beer we could make without using oranges yeah, just, or something like this. That's right? sick. Um, so, yeah, that one was, uh, was a success. We liked yeah. that. We're trying to maybe recreate that one in the future, like, with some sort of orangey yeasts and stuff. Okay. Um, some Norwegian farmhouse Vike yeast strains and okay. things like that. Um, like Mandarina Bavaria helps us. Uh, like maybe something like that, Mosaic yeah. Mandarina, things like that. We'll, we'll play around with a bunch of things to maybe come back to that label. Because this is a problem with making like 20 beers a year is you spend a lot of money on artwork. Yeah. It would be great to release the same beer twice. Right. It's already there. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've done uh, Citra, Mosaic, Galaxy, and one together. This one that we just had, the Timber Tales with Citra yeah. again. Citra. Like Cit- I always love the citrusy ones, especially with dry sour beers. I think Works it'd be so fun well. to do like a dank sour too, maybe just because I don't think I've had one. And I don't know if it would work. Like do like a Columbus, right. something like resiny, piney. Yeah. I just don't know if it'll work, but we'll try it. Worth, it worth a crack. <laughs> yeah, Maybe through the tree. Maybe that's the tree beer. Ooh. Piney. Yeah. The maple tree. That's sick. I love it. You want, you want to do a lightning round? Uh, what's a lightning round? It's it's uh, a of series of quick questions, but it's never quick. Okay. We joke called the molasses round because it's slow as fuck. <laughs> uh, first one there. What is your guilty pleasure beer? A beer that you would be embarrassed to admit to a beer nerd that you enjoy. Tough one. Oh, rum and coke. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, no, that's I, I drink a ton of diet coke. Like that's my main that's, that's drink. Your thing. And uh, adding rum to it is almost it's like drinking. Right, closest thing. <laughs> um, guilty pleasure beers. Yeah, look, um, like I, I would tell you my favorite beer is like that Cascade Noyo, which is like their one made with apricot pits or something. But like that's a great beer. Like I don't know if I have so a real guilty like, pleasure one. Like like shitty beer. Like, I don't like go home and like. No, I don't. I don't. I when you own a brewery, you really stop buying a lot of beer. Yeah. And your fridge at the brewery is just full of beer that other brewers bring to your brewery. Right. So it's, it's always really good, good beer. Yeah. So there's like a ton of really good IPAs and stuff back there. Well, okay. So here's my guilty pleasure as the owner of a, a Canada's probably first all sour beer brewery, is that um, I always go to that fridge for a non-sour beer. Right. That's what I'm always in the mood for is something like a pilsner or an IPA or a stout. Right. Something that I Pretty don't already different. drink all the time right. here. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> I'll take that one. Um, the opposite. Beer you would decline under any circumstances. So like you're at a barbecue, yep. you don't have any fire, and they offer you something, you like smoke beers. Yeah. Just can't there. I don't yeah. I don't I don't and there's a whole category of smoke beers there out there that people win awards for and yeah, and that's great. But yeah. I just don't I just don't like them. Maybe really lightly, like we just did a spontaneous beer that had a hint of smoke to it. But I find like a lot of the smoke malt beers that you smoke malt and stuff, it's it's just too much. Yeah, and I, I, the, I agree. That's actually the number one answer. Yeah, um, really. Here. The the best ones I've had from like Godspeed, they do like super subtle. Okay. Smoke. Oh, nice. I'm into okay. A, oh, I, I'm the same. I can't stand it. Yeah, yeah. And they do like even the smoke pills number. It's like Ooh, just nice. the, just the right amount. Okay. That it's like it doesn't taste like bacon or campfire. Yeah. Like it's just it's just a little roasty <laughs> thing in the background, and it's and like both right, of that's those cool. are good things. Bacon and campfire. Independently, just maybe not in my beer. Mm. (laughs) Um, What was your gateway beer? What was the beer that kind of like pushed you over the edge into craft? Oh, geez. Um, It's probably Lugtread. Probably Bose. Lugtread. That was the one. Like they were the... They were... I I mean, before that it was Steam Whistle, but I wasn't really 
diving into craft at that point. It was, right, that was just whenever better. friends would come to visit, like my friends from Scotland, we'd always go to the cottage down here, visit their family, and always it was always tractor beers, bring tractor beers. Right? And that was the the bows, like the freaking like the earthenware yeah. bottles yeah, when yeah. they were just getting going and they were super like unique and like they were just great and yeah. That's like it was one. it was craft beer for people who like you know, like, mass appeal beer. Yeah. That's the one. I yep. hear that. I think a lot of people in these last few days, like up here specifically, yeah, I think it really made a difference. For sure. For sure. Totally pioneers yeah. in, in craft. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, what's your favorite beer style, which we could probably guess? Um, yeah, probably the sour style, yeah. I would say. is just, it, it sounds like it's one beer, but it's not. It's just so many. A trillion. Like, yeah, you can just. I just found it was the most challenging one to do. Yep. Because I could make an IPA at home in three weeks and just jam a bunch of hops, and I was happy with it all the time. Yep. And the sour beers for me were more of a challenge, and like they took, they required a lot more of me. Right. To have a good one, so like I I respected them more. Yeah. We'll say that. And there's okay. totally like, I guess making other styles of beer, the brewers are more in control. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the sour beers, you really got to have more respect for all the microorganisms and yeasts and bacteria in play, and right. just basically They're give them the happiest environment they can work in, and let them do their yeah, thing. Yeah, let them do it. Okay, I like they, that. They, they're the ones making the beer, really. Really, yeah, I like that. That's just a really <laughs> good point. Um, what's the opposite? Your least favorite beer style? So it doesn't mean you uh, like hate it, but you're least inclined to go for it, perhaps. Oh. Um, Oh, uh, I want to say it's like malt forward beers, yep. maybe. Like again, smoky beers not so much, but you can have smoke in all kinds of styles. But um, yeah, oh, there's certain like oh brown ale, brown ale. Yeah, not a huge fan. Like they're hoppy, but they're also super malty and sweet, and I just don't, uh, I don't. They, Can't they do don't it. agree with me as much. Yeah. Few and far between. I've had a couple of good ones recently. Mm-hmm. That, but normally they're yeah. not that interesting. Okay, good one. Love uh, all beers. All beers are good. All beers. All beers beautiful. Um, <laughs> favorite beer city, destination, or country? Where do you like to go for beer? Aside from Canada, clearly. Ah, yes, our brewery district here. <laughs> um, uh, definitely, uh, well, I have never spent enough time in Belgium. I would love to. Uh, but I would say definitely the west coast of the U.S. has been like a real, like it's a real great, it's great, great destination. Stuff, yeah. Like you can just... Pick a pick a path from point A to point B and like just hit award-winning breweries on the way. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of crazy, right? Yep. They oh, really yeah. spoiled out there. Yep. Um, first beer you ever brewed? First beer I ever brewed. Yeah, we kind of talked about uh, it. It was the- well, aside from so I wouldn't consider that brewing in university where I just grabbed a can. Right. We made th- two or three beers. I think there was a light one, a red one, and a dark one. We called them the sickness, the sadness, and the blackness, which is. <laughs> cool. a, riff from kids in the hall actually Uh, and we actually had a fun accident that first time we brewed it because when you're fermenting beer in a bucket and you have the airlock and la la you're filling bottles and it comes with a hose the kit comes with a hose with a shitty plastic clamp to clamp it shut and stop the beer from coming out well that opened and the beer went all the way down the stairs into the basement and emptied the whole bucket down the stairs so we had like a staircase of beer but then we figured the easiest way to clean it was to just pour bleach in the same spot that it spilled and it followed the same path that's amazing (laughs) but that's not the first homebrew like that's not the beer I brewed I would say the first beer I brewed at home was it was from Cal Wallner's website The Electric Brewery it was uh, it was a clone of Ruthless Rye, which is Sierra Nevada, is it? 
think yeah. it. Anyways, it was a rye IPA. I remember showing up at my parents' house uh, in Ellicottville, New York, ski season, going down for Christmas. Hey, here's a beer I made. Nope. Yeah. I handed it to my dad. Here's a, here's a beer. And he just went, nope. Nope. Well, <laughs> and well. it back. Yep. Nope. Okay. Straight back. Uh, just too bitter, too, et cetera, et cetera, for... For, for the his favorite beer is Creamore Springs, and love that beer too. Is he? Does he? Uh, He's into the stuff it, now. Yeah. Yeah. Money yeah. 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 <laughs> Um Favorite and least favorite styles to brew. Uh, favorite styles to brew. Like even if it's within the sour realm, like, oh. I guess I'm sure there's like because that's what you're doing here. Like, do you have oh. anything that's maybe like super fun, or maybe some stuff that's a pain in the ass? Uh, they're all kind of the same because the brewing side is like the very beginning of the beer making. Right. It's kind so of, brewing, if you're talking about favorite styles to make yeah, maybe from beginning make, to end, maybe like that. it would probably be the fruit beers. I like I like that whole, like, you know, picking the fruit, picking the right beer to go with it. There's all of that. Um, like that, that's fun, right? And trying to mash the flavors together and then not knowing, because when you taste a fruit, it's always sweet. And the sweetness disappears right. when the beer is finished. So trying to like gauge how it's gonna end up based right. on how it starts is kind of a challenge. So that's that's kind of fun. I like that. Um, the easiest ones to do. So this wouldn't be my least favorite, but the easier ones are like where we're just adding like some we steep some flowers, make a tea because we can taste exactly finished beer that day. We can just get a couple barrels out, mix them together, and then go like rose hips, yeah, elderflower, ginger, yeah. done. Right. That's what it's gonna be like. They're, so they're the easier, but yeah, I don't. I, least favorite style? I don't. I don't. Nothing. I don't think I have one or anything. No. no. Well, I mean, like That's a turbid good. mashed beer, like a proper lambic, is a pain in the ass to do. Yeah. The I did one um, at another brewery, uh, and it took like eight hours on the mash wow. to just shovel in the grain to try and get the temperature to equalize and step the. Yeah. Yeah. It was a pain. No, no. It was a pain. Doesn't yeah. Sound so horrible. respect Check to Belgium. <laughs> They got it nailed. Um, worst beer you've ever made? Uh, probably my first sour beer. Yeah. Um, well, it. not worst. I liked it. I judged it as the worst amongst a bunch of other sour beers. Um, oh, I did have a Belgian wit once that came out and, and developed like a metallic medicinal kind. And I said, no, no, this is not good. Not that, but, uh, but yeah. Generally, they wouldn't see the light of day if it's, no. uh, no. if it's bad. Uh, what music do you listen to when you brew? When we brew, oh geez. Well, I guess once again, you it get varies back thing. here. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. It ranges from like, oh, um, like shoegazer stuff to like early rap to folk. It's it's everything. everything. It's everything. I used to play a bunch of music back in the day, so I respect all music. There's not much country that happens. That's no. the only thing. It's probably a good thing. <laughs> no one likes country. No, they do. No one listens to this. Uh, what's your favorite hop? Favorite hop? It's probably Citra. Yeah. It's classic. It's, Can't it's, go wrong. It's good. It's yeah. Good. Uh, what does your family think of what you do? Um, you said your dad's converted with the beer now. My dad's converted with the beer, and he helped a lot with the planning yep. of everything, like business planning and stuff. So they're totally behind it, you know? So, um, and my wife is great. Work. Like, she's been super awesome and supportive, and like, we had our first child when I first got the keys to this building. It was like right, two weeks like, after he was born. Wow, so it was a lot timing. of crazy hours here and then crazy at home. And I took time off my work when I was working for, and like just super supportive. It's great. Yeah. So everyone's about it's been good. Yeah. They're loving the beer. I guess everyone, if they yeah. weren't drinking yeah, yeah, yeah. sours before they are now. Yeah. 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 Um, 
this one of the favorite adjuncts, but I mean, we can even split it down to maybe because you work with so many, whereas some other breweries, like you're just like the, the four ingredients. So it's like, lactose, Craig. I didn't even have to say it. <laughs> cool. Thanks, we have Noah. never made a lactose beer here, actually. And Will you? I. Wow. Oh, that's a loaded question. Um, I just don't know if lactose survives these beers or not. Uh, and it's something hmm. we want to play with. We're, we've been talking about trying to play with different ways to sweeten or add body to some beers. And lactose is one we want to play with and okay. try. Because I've had some lactose sour. They're usually kettle sours. So the problem with lactose is lactose gets eaten up by maybe bread. by bread or lactobacillus or something. Yeah. And then it disappears and all that sweetness is gone again. So And it just ramps up the We'll try. Anyway. We're going to try. Yeah, we're going to try different things. I think you can See cut it off. Uh, we did a collab with, um, do you know L'Espace Public in Montreal? Yep. You know Simon? Uh, I don't know Simon. Simon, he's the brewer there, but okay. owner as well. He, uh, we did, uh, uh, we're canning one, but we did one recently, which was, uh, it's a milkshake sour. You know, they do a lot of sours, like the kettle sours. Mm -hmm. So we did one last year, it was marmalade, and this year we did, uh, which was nice. And we're canning the marmalade oh, yeah. one nice. uh, for June, which is sick. But they did uh, a blueberry, blackberry one, mm. but it used Dunham's, blend called sour power yeah okay. and it's bread based the last one okay. we did it we used their house yeast and we went to switch it up and see what difference it made and this one had bread in it so then remy hit me up okay. when we were talking about it because he's friend that he works with them and he was like hey man like just so you, like the bread's gonna eat the lactose is gonna disappear yeah. so i was like oh shit simon what happened something like that he's like no it's fine we're gonna cut off the um fermentation you okay. might understand the science more than me. Yep. Um, but like cut off the fermentation so it doesn't go Okay. Any so they're going to sulfite it or sorbate it or something. Like some sort of preservative goes in to stop the yeast from... Is that what it is? Okay. Continuing. It's or, either or that or you're going to keep it cold. Weeks. Either that or you're going to keep it cold. Was there I would be, I'd be happy with putting it in kegs. If it was in kegs already, only, just only kegs. throw it in the fridge and, and it will slow it right down. Like it might take a year to eat up the lactose. Right. So you'd have lots of time to pour it. This is like the same where people make like a maple beer. And they keg it, and they put maple syrup in, and they just put it right on the taps right away. And then, it's, so it doesn't have time to to ferment out. To or ferment whatever. out, yeah. So, is there something that you? I guess my point of that was: is there something you can do similar if you did the out of the lactose? I know Jenny has to go in the boil, which is the problem. It would though. be really hard for us because we don't have a cold room, we don't have anything like that. Right. Um, the best we could be would be to sulfite or sorbite the beer and kill yeast with chemicals, right? With the okay. way, like wineries do it, right? Wineries will go, like, because grapes will ferment out and be super dry, unless the winery says, like, oh, we like it where it is, and they add sulfites, and that stops the yeast right oh, there. Oh, that's why they have the old natural keep, wineries that don't use the Yeah, sulfites. exactly. So ah. uh, wineries that sometimes they want, like, a sweeter, less dry wine, they'll add the sulfites, and it will stop the yeast dead in its tracks. It's the same when you get a cider. Like, if you go to the orchard and you get a bunch of wild apples and have it pressed into juice, yep. and you want to make a cider, if you're not Revel Cider... You want to stop all. You want to make sure all the wild yeast and bacteria is dead in that. So they sulfite it first, kill any of the natural yeasts, and then they add their own yeast to it, right? And and finish it like that, right? But um, but uh, other other people would just let it go. So you can do the same in beer. It's just more in wine and ciders. Sulfur is more accepted as I think a, a flavor that shows up in them. Gotcha. Whereas in beer, I always had read that metabisulfites and stuff or something you don't want to sanitize your beer equipment with because you'll end up with sulfury flavors and stuff. Mm. That might not happen so much here because sulfur dissipates over time. Right. And since things are sitting here for so long, it might 
you know, we might we can always try that sometime. Yeah. Just throw some sulfites in a barrel Let's and see what happens to the. We have buckets of sulfites here. Okay. That's how we store the barrels when they're not in use. Right. We put some citric acid and sulfites so in it just to to stop mold from growing in them. Right. right. So we'll fill them with water and into that. Okay. Yeah. So the point of this all is that you're Team Lactose, is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hear that, Noah? Noah Forrest? Oh, wait, wait. What did I say? Team Lactose? Yes. All right, Team Lactose. Yes. <laughs> we have that on record. I uh, I love I love uh, the milkshake IPAs and stuff like that. They're always super yeah, they're fun. fun. Yeah. I've always wanted to try, like, I was um, on an airplane once reading, like, Brew Like a Monk, and, like, I was in the chapter where they're like... Uh, we would use just like and this is all the Belgian breweries like the Trappist and Abbey breweries mm -hmm. they're like we would why did they end up using beet sugar and everything that was what was there that's what was growing right. in the neighborhood and I was eating apple chips at the time and said well shit I have a bunch of sugary apple chips here mm -hmm. that are just made from dried apples right. can't I make an apple chip beer or a, just a pie beer or something right. so I love that idea of just throwing just cakes some pies into beers yeah. and I, I want to try a bit more of that so. I feel like that could be fun for like the pastry like, <coughs> like the pastry stout kind of yeah. approach to it like <laughs> chucking donuts or whatever yeah 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 yeah. that could be kind of fun um, the actual question we read before oh, you yeah. answered the right answer which was lactose but like do you have any other favorite adjuncts like do you have a favorite thing that you like oh, to add to um, your milk uh, I really like any of the like I mean hops are great fruit's great but I really like uh, going in the direction of the floral things, like the, the elderflowers, the chamomiles, the, the rose hips, etc. Because I can go very easily and get like a very inexpensive supply of basically tea, right? And like play around with flavors like willy nilly, and I don't have to wait for them to ferment out, and because all the flavors already there, right. right? So like those are, I find they're they're really fun to play with because I could just I could release a beer in a month. It sounds like a long time, but for me, that's the absolute shortest I can do it. Um, I could just go to Bulk Barn and pick up a, a lavender green tea or something and say, like, that tastes awesome in this beer. Right. And we could release it in four weeks. Right. You know? like, so those are fun. I like playing with those. Okay. That's a good answer. You want to do that coffee beer? And we'll, yes, uh, coffee wrap beer. Her up? Yes. 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 <laughs> Uh, okay. I think that's the cold one. Yeah. Maybe the cold I'll take one. some of this one. She wants the coffee beer. Oh, yeah. That's good. Gonna need to. So, uh, what's this one called? This beer is called Dark Energy. Okay. <laughs> um, and this is part of the, uh, the club. The club, the culture club for 2019. <laughs> this is the first release, and it oh, comes wow. out in like two days. Oh, look at that. It is ready to go. Um, so. This beer has uh, quite a bit of history to it. And so for our club Jesus beers... Christ. It we, like Tober. Yeah. We, uh, we do full-color labels yeah, yeah. for the beers we do for our club. Yes. Everything else is like line drawings and stuff. Yes. But we'll do uh, full-color ones for the club, and it says like limited release and so on and so forth. That's sick. But um, this beer started life as um, we had brewed like a dark sour porter, oud brune kind of beer. Okay. Late in 2017. Mm-hmm. And it was released as Mares in the Night, which came out on Peche Day, I think, last year. Okay. And was, like, the most popular non-Dear de Ciel beer at Arvolo that day. Nice. <laughs> wow. And then we did, we had, like, an experiment with it sitting on raspberries or cherries. And, like, we, we did a raspberry version of it, which came out around Christmas this year, called Mares in a Jam. Okay. Which is a play on jam hands, but it was Mares in the Night, but in a jam. So the horses uh, had, like, oh, it's right there. There's, there's a picture. 
It was our Mares right. of the Night horses, but trampling through a bunch of raspberries. Oh, cool. So they were um, stuck in the jam. That's sick. And uh, that, that beer was very well received, and I would like to do it again. We had been working on that beer for like a good eight months or something. Okay. Just because like, whenever you order a bunch of fruit, you always just order a few extra little small amounts, and you just chuck some in a barrel to try it out. Mm-hmm. And we always had one barrel of that dark raspberry beer that we really, really liked. And so we decided next time we have an opportunity to get a whole ton of raspberries, we'll use more of that dark beer. And so this was almost the last two barrels of that beer. So from that same batch in 2017, we brought two barrels out and uh, I took it over to my friend uh, Justin. Again, that home brewer connection in Ottawa. He's the roaster at Equator Coffee in uh, Almont. Uh, And they're like a super awesome like all organic fair trade kind of coffee roastery. Okay. And uh, I brought him over a bunch of the beer. Just here's a bunch of the dark beer. Can you come up with any coffee ideas? And so he just took like beans, steeped them, brewed them, la la la, tried a bunch of different ways and then had me come over and try them. And he had ended up cold steeping a bunch of these like, um, oh geez, what are they Ethiopian from? They're so Ethiopian. That. Yeah, they're, so it's like a dark Ethiopian roast. Um, and... Uh, to me, it was a little weird. I'm not a coffee person no. myself. Hot drinks make me sleepy usually. <laughs> Fair so enough. I usually avoid coffee a lot. Um, but cold brew coffees, I think, are a thing that I could like. Oh, yeah. Um, right. But to me, they were like, they had like a lot of like really punchy, really funky, cool aromas. But to me, it was less coffee-ish than like an espresso. So he also did a batch for me with like their espresso roast blend. Mm-hmm. And... We tasted them both separately and decided for different reasons they were both awesome. So we ended up putting them together. Right. And we ended up making this beer using the two different sets of uh, beans that he had provided. Okay. So we put like two barrels of beer in the tank and like 30 pounds of coffee, left it for like three days, like whole beans, cold steeped. Okay. And then just took the beer out into bottles. And that's, that's it? That's what this is. And this will be the first beer for our club this year. Oof. And it's just super... Like, this is the thing with cold steep coffee, I think, is you get all that coffee aroma and not the bitterness. Right. Because bitterness and sourness don't go together well. No. I've tried that before, and it's not good. Not much don't do it. Don't right. Do it. No, I tried making a Saison once with... Because you can't sour a beer that has hops in it and bitterness from hops. So I tried making a beer once that had twice as many hops and a beer that had no hops but was sour. And I put them together so it would have, like, a normal amount of hops. And it just made my mouth start to water, like that, like I have to throw up kind of mouth watering oh, thing. Right, like it's yeah. bitter sour together in your mouth. It's not good. So I try to steer like clear that. from it. Yeah. Yeah. So that. that's what I like about this coffee beer is that it doesn't have that bitterness. It smells like it might, but I guess it's because uh, it smells no. like cold brew coffee. But it's just smooth and like acidic and. Oh my gosh. That is intense. That is fucking great. Such a nice balance, but, but that, that is so much coffee. That oh dark God. beer on its own always had like a really cool, like yeah, roasty, roasty, almost. Uh, it made me think of toasted marshmallows once, but like kind of like a a dark berry that I can't put my finger on is what it always had. Like it was almost like an elderberry or blackberry kind of thing. But it's totally yeah. overpowered by coffee now. Oh yeah, so, so much like it's whole beans, so, right? Whole beans. So for our club beers, we always try to do like over the top. Yeah, right. That's what we do. Or like like I said before, sometimes we have a fruit tank that's got way too much fruit in it. So we did um, like our blue, wild blueberry beer last year. We, um, we had way too much blueberry in it, uh, but we took one barrel worth of that blueberry beer out and used it 
in one of the club beers while it was still way over concentrated. Right. You know, so we'll do things, so. we'll just push things a little further or try things for the first time. Like this is the first coffee beer I've ever made. Yeah. So, you know, I could definitely see doing something like this in the future. More, yeah, man. Because, yeah. It's intense. I love it. <laughs> All right. Oh. You are out of control, sir. <laughs> that is gold. I love it. This is crazy, man. This is like, I never tasted anything like this. Yeah. I've heard from some people that that's like their favorite coffee beer. And I'm like, that's awesome because I've, I, yeah, sour like and coffee. It's weird. It's, it's I've, I don't even know how to like, I'm trying to comprehend it because I'm like, just you get that coffee thing. You don't expect the, that deep, uh, the puckering sour. Mm. Um, it, it works really well. It doesn't, it, I think on paper it shouldn't work. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's sick. It's, it's kind of like drinking like a Flanders Red almost while smelling a coffee or something. Yeah, kinda. I can get that. Yes. There's I, some other, yeah. or, or drinking that beer in a coffee roastery or something, right? Like where it just smells all the time like awesome coffee. Yeah. Like I love the smell of coffee. It's the best. Don't drink so much. Have you had like proper like third wave coffee, like the like single origin beans mm. and all that type of no. stuff? No, it's, it's yeah, just what changed out. We were talking about it today. We we're like, how did we go from like, you know, the stupid beer photos is what got me trying beers to try and I was, it was 365 okay. days of beer. Yeah, yeah. And I had to do that in a year. And I was like, well, there's not 300 beers, so yeah. it's not gonna happen, <laughs> but let's just do it. I just moved to Canada. I uh, did that in like seven months and I was like, oh shit, like there's a lot of beers. And then that <laughs> led to an open-mindedness mm -hmm. of trying, to, like I already tried beers before, but I was like, I thought I was worldly because I was drinking macro lagers from everywhere. Yeah. Not realizing Ooh, that there's, I know, yeah, right? The, uh, what's the one? There's I one love Stiegel, like, actually. That's a beer I really, Stiegel's guilty pleasure one. beer. Stiegel right there. Or the OG? But mostly because I went to Austria and I loved it there and I bought like a one liter mug. And I would go to the store and buy like three cans, and just so I could like have a whole. Yeah, <laughs> that's the way to do it. That's how you do it. <laughs> I feel like like beer people, the the, the approach um, of like liking artisanal, high quality things. If you're into good beer, like it always like straight strikes me as odd if I see a beer person drinking Tim Hortons, mm. like because I'm like, well, you want exceptional beer, but now you're gonna drink like trash ass coffee. Like it's it's night and day. Mm. Like the depth that I've like approached we went into coffee kind of deep because oh, yeah. of the way we approach beer and like it's that's a whole other world it's crazy the amount of flavor profiles and the ways to like um serve it whether it's espresso or pour over mm -hmm. or french press or the aero press whatever there's yeah. a million different ways to do it and there's like you know like my cousin and you know i'm from uh, melbourne which is the <laughs> arguably the best city in the world for coffee and i was just there a month ago and it was like it's out of control. Like Montreal's a pretty close second, I think. Yeah. But um, you would love Scandinavia then. They could be coffee. Sweden, yeah. like, like a bunch of guys came to, from Sweden to here, and they're like, "Where can we get real coffee? None of this is actual coffee." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. So <laughs> I don't want to surprise you. Like, the place we're just at, like the way before here, again, now brunch um, had fantastic coffee. Like it's exceptional. There's some great stuff everywhere. You just gotta, and it's hilarious. that third wave cafes are predictable. They all have the mm -hmm. same traits. Lots of like wood, steel, plants. Hipsters, you can just tell, like the latte <laughs> art, it's very consistent yeah, yeah. anywhere in the world you go, but I feel like you would, with a, a refined palette like that, you yeah. would appreciate the oh, good yeah, stuff. I, and I think you just need to like- I, I, I want to get into it, man. When I'm traveling, I'll have like a uh, cappuccino 
is yep. my the one the coffee. I'll always have dope. that. Yep. Um, yeah, that's the one I'll go for if I'm in Italy or something. Oh hell yeah! So Italian coffee though, that's a whole other style which I learned. Like it's I don't really like Italian coffee because it's like crazy bitter. Yeah. It's not like the fruity kind of more complex. Okay. Uh, like I don't know. I can third wave is the only way I know how to okay. describe it, but kind of more like. You know, they're all like you mentioned here that on this one. It's like an Ethiopian, yeah. um, dark roast, so super like, like earthy, origin. yeah, like all kinds of green character to it. I found, yeah, yeah. they have all of that sort of stuff. Where the but I also wanted like a, some roast from the espresso side. I wanted which more is probably of that, why it was dark, just upfront roast, yeah, because that gives it that. Yeah, thing. exactly. If you had a lighter roast or medium roast, it would mm-hmm. totally be um, more on the fruitier side. Which would give it a whole different vibe, but yeah, it's faster. I feel like you you dig it. Yeah, we also grabbed some raw fermented coffee beans from Justin at Equator fermented there. Fermented coffee beans. So, so coffee is fermented, right? Like they, like the the cherries that the bean comes in are it's fermented, taken out, separated, right. or whatever. But he had sacks of just straight up fermented beans over there before roasting because it's a roast. They roast them, and so we grabbed a bunch of his beans to try and extract the yeast from them. And we're going to try and make beer using the yeast that we get from his coffee beans at some Right, point. from the cherry side of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sick. <coughs> Which should be fun. That's a really yeah. cool idea. But like, yeah, I, I, the coffee, there's, there's a whole artisanal world of coffee that I don't know anything about. And that's why I like, love working with Equator there was because yeah. I definitely know that they're artisans over there and they're, they know this. they're doing their thing and we're doing our thing and we'll put them together like all I had to do was bring beer over to him and just let him come up with something right. and it'll be awesome he it. is he a roaster or a cafe or both or? it's a roaster and a, yeah it's all of those things so I they have a public so, space yeah. that they can yep, yeah, come yeah, in yeah, yeah. okay so, yeah. Yeah, see that's cool that'd be the that's a perfect spot for you to do that yeah. I haven't actually seen them before are yeah. they in Canada and he's a super avid home brewer too so he like and they're right next door to another brewery and so he's always over there drinking and helping out and blah, right. blah, blah, where are they ideas. based in Almont. So about yeah, fifteen yeah. minutes west of here. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's perfect, man. It's. Uh, I feel like you 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 love it. Is there anything else we need to cover? Pretty much uh, got everything in. We got to have them blend it and stuff with the history. We ran through a decent amount of these bad boys. Mm-hmm. All exceptional. Anything else? Feeling good. Feeling pretty good, mate. Long weekend. Long weekend. Apparently it's Easter. I don't even know. Did you? Chocolate. Are you aware of that? Chocolate. Oh, chocolate. chocolate. It's chocolate oh. season. It is too. I should get some. I always forget, like Easter. I guess because we don't. Like, do Do any breweries have like a bunch of Easter beers coming out? Like, are there chocolate beers coming out right now? The only one I know. Does nobody capitalize on Easter? The closest thing I saw yesterday at Beyond the Pale, they have a Easter beer. It's not. It's like something they do every. Oh, the year. hop on my hop face. Up, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one yeah, or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. It's pretty good, yeah. It's like a cut, it's a, <laughs> a rabbit, you gotta color the thing. Okay. It's nothing, to, the beer itself is a piney eyed West Coast IPA. Nice. It's nothing to do with Easter. I haven't seen it. Do you know what's interesting? In Australia, even a month ago, the whole, all the supermarket, they go crazy over Easter. Mm-hmm. I forgot. Here it's so chill. Like, there they're just obsessed. Like, growing up, I don't know, did you guys have that here? Like, like Easter was like a mini Christmas, oh, yeah. where yeah. Like, you woke oh, up in the morning as a it's kid. It's like and when Halloween like, ends, Christmas starts, and then when Christmas ends, Easter starts, kind of. Yeah. You know, yeah. Was it a thing where you kind guys, of. I never actually asked anyone here this, did you guys have a thing where like you would wake up, you know, when you're like eight years old or whatever, you'd wake up on Easter morning or what, yeah. so Easter Sunday, and there'd be a whole shit ton of egg, chocolate oh, in your well, room? Oh, well, it was all hidden, and I had to go hunt for it. Okay. So my wife, so it wasn't the, the, the deal with my wife was less the hunt and more like her mom would just present them with a whole bunch of stuff. Yep. For me, it was like you wake up in that morning and you're like, oh, okay, I'm gonna go find all the eggs, all the chocolate 
chocolates hidden like everywhere in the house, house, right? house, in the house, whatever. So we got our, our son's just over two years old now. So He's I ready. think he finally can understand Easter this year, or understand the hunt for things. Yeah. So we've hidden a bunch. We're gonna hide a bunch of shit this weekend. It's gonna be awesome. That's cool. So it's a thing, though. Yeah, because yeah, it oh, felt yeah. like it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. yeah? He's wearing ears at the daycare today, as far as I know. Yeah. Okay. All right. I just like the supermarkets, they were overtaken. And here, they don't seem to be like as, you know, like you go Halloween, right? You've got like whole aisles of the. Oh, and they don't give a shit in Quebec, eh? They don't care about it. No. They care about St. Jean Baptiste, is about it. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I love they're not giving a fuck about it. Yeah, Why not? It's the government. It's a government. Or even like supermarkets yeah, and stuff, yeah. but there's hardly, I think the only day we can't go shopping is probably like St. John Baptiste is the only day where yeah. everything shuts down. <laughs> Which is, you don't do Canada Day, but you do that day. Yeah, right? Canada so. Day's moving day. <laughs> it actually is, that's yeah, yeah. Like, it's hilarious. <laughs> um, okay, that's good. Bro, thank you so much. Yeah, Genuine no problem, pleasure, man. man. Finally awesome to finally out. meet you, yeah. Yeah, man, glad to be here. Um, where can the good folk ah. find Small Pony online? Smallponybarrelworks.com is our online store. Yep. So the only places to get our beer are here. Yep. On the online store. And, and of that course anywhere in uh, the province. Every anywhere in Ontario right now until that changes in the future hopefully. Fingers crossed. Um we're at the whim of Canada Post unfortunately, so it's costs a bit of money, so ordering more beer is better it's than better. less beer. Stacking up. Stack um up. we'll probably be doing something by the time this comes out, we'll be announcing some sort of flat rate shipping, nice. I'm hoping. Yes. Fingers crossed, instead of like 30 bucks a case, right. it'll be better, Yeah, yeah. much better. Um, uh, any of the really good, you know, specialty beer bars around Toronto, Ottawa, Kingston we'll occasionally, having, Hamilton. Yep. Uh, and yeah, as I said, we do one beer year round for the LCBO, it's Half Remembered Dream, yep. and that is Ottawa, Hamilton, Waterloo, Guelph, Toronto. Yeah, yep. four stores in Toronto right now, I think. Anyways, okay. so there's like, 20-ish stores that we do for okay. the LCBM, so yeah. That's pretty good. Try pretty to cover the major areas as best as we can. I yeah. love it. Uh, social media, is it Small Pony Barrel Works? Uh, hmm, good question. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, and we're on Twitter. Yep. Twitter's the only one where it's different because it's Small Pony Beer. Everything else uh, is Small else. Pony Barrel Works. Perfect. Because it doesn't quite fit on Twitter. Doesn't, yeah, there's 15 character limit. I forgot to ask you real quick. Uh, can you give a TLDR on what, where, why the name is Small Pony? Ah, oh, geez, I should have brought them today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Small Pony Barrel Works is named after a uh, stuffed animal that I bought for my wife about 15 years ago now, maybe. Okay. It's been a while ago. Um, we didn't have any kids, any pets. Got this little stuffed horse for Christmas, and he would come on road trips with us, go to the cottage, hang out. He's like our house mascot. Right. <laughs> so he's the small pony. And uh, yeah, he's got overalls now. He's got nice. everything, man. He's out. He's working. He's, he's working like, the Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. <laughs> I forgot to ask earlier, right? Legend, Matt, thank you very much. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Uh, guys, if you enjoyed the episode, mate, smash the thumbs up. Hit subscribe below. Hit the notification bell so you know when the new new drops. Follow us on social media at BOS Podcast. And check out the long-form audio, uh, iTunes, uh, sorry, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and uh, you can hear a very attractive gentleman like Uncle Sean here talk about craft beer. That is it, guys. Thank you for watching and listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Get in ya. Cheers. Cheers.